Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A. Wiggins. Fuck that other side, bitch. We stay winning. Oh, man. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. get excited baby it's uh it's draftmas eve of sorts you could say probably the second most lee maybe you can back me up here probably the second most anticipated podcast of the year from our our media outlet is is the four-way mock with connor ryan next to of course the detroit Lions season preview lee would you agree absolutely i'm, I'm right there with you lockstep club and it was super fun. I think at least, you know, Lee, Tommy, and I all went back and listened to the podcast from last year, brought in some, some new elements this year, but it was definitely one of our favorite podcasts, at least to go back and listen to just to see what we were thinking at the time. I know myself personally, this year I feel much more confident in my picks and who I like than I did last year. Uh, for example, last year I hated Rashawn Gary, yet for some reason I just decided to mock him to the Falcons. I don't really know what I was thinking but I just I think I just saw him on the board and just like put him there and you know th- there will be none of that for me this year every take that I have I will I will be able to stand by but uh, if we could quickly I guess before we kick this thing off uh, why don't we just go around and share what teams we were drafting for so this year we had a team draft instead of just going one through four in order so a few times it's going to be you know a couple of us picking you know a few times in a row for some teams but I think it's going to work out better just because we can kind of make out a plan for each of these teams instead of oh I'm picking for the Vikings at 22 and then Lee picks for them at 25 so uh, Connor why don't we just start with you just go through uh, the eight teams that you have uh, for this mock draft yeah I'm definitely pumped about the format this year this year I have the pleasure of being the GM for the Bengals Lions Bears Packers, Cowboys, Patriots, uh, Rams, and I'm missing one more. I was missing them earlier. Who is it? Um, did I say Chargers? Dallas already? Was it Chargers? Chargers. That Chargers. is the team. The Chargers then. Yeah. Yep. My most important pick of the first round, too. Can't forget that one. Tommy, where do you, what eight teams do you have? Yeah, boys. I got Carolina, Arizona, Jacksonville, Cleveland, uh, the Jets, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the lowly Houston Texans. Uh, Lee, what's what's going on over there, uh, Draft Central? I've got the New York Giants, the Washington Redskins, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, Atlanta Falcons, Philadelphia Eagles, Seattle Seahawks, Tennessee Titans, and Pittsburgh Steelers. Zeus. Zeus. A.K.A. the Zeus pick. <laughs> exactly. You knew I couldn't uh, let that one slip up when we were drafting teams. Uh, I'm rolling in with the, 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 the big Monty, the five-pick dog, the Miami Dolphins. I've got Minnesota, San Francisco, Indianapolis, Denver, Tampa, New Orleans, and Buffalo. It's going to be a two-round mock, uh, no trades, 64 picks straight on through, boys. And, uh, Connor, are you ready to kick it off? I think the, the Bengals are on the clock here. Yeah, with the first pick, hopefully they make it as – Fast as I do, I'm going to take Joe Burrow. Any analysis there or just, you know? No, not really. I mean, unless anybody's got any issues with Joe Burrow, the best player in college football last year going number one. That's the way it should be. 
Um, just to add a curiosity, how many wins do you think he'll add to the to the Bengals this Bengals team? Because they got some other holes on the roster, and I, I think it's a great pick, Connor. But I'm just curious how much of an impact you think he'll make next year, like immediately, assuming there's a season, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely interesting in terms of, like, not really having the context of the rest of the draft. I'd be interesting to see, like, what they end up kind of doing with Andy Dalton. I can't really imagine him being on this roster to start the year. I think they're going to have to move him for something, probably just a pick next year. I don't think they're really going to get any help out of Dalton this year. But I think he definitely can get this team to being around, I think, six wins, I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. I think that's pretty reasonable, given that I don't know what they're going to do with Dalton and then the rest of the draft, of course. All right, the Washington Redskins are on the clock. Lee Murray. Uh, I'm going to take who I think is the best player in this year's draft, and I don't think anyone will uh, will disagree too hard with me, and that's, and that's Chase Young, uh, the defensive end slash edge rusher out of Ohio State, um, a guy who... You can just see extremely explosive in college, and, and you couldn't help but, uh, but watch him pop off the tape game after game and make a huge impact at a very important position in the, in the modern NFL. I think he can be an extremely high-impact player and get this Redskins team on the right track. They've been kind of a losing squad for the past few years. I think he can be a superstar. So, Lee, that's the pick. Mm-hmm. If, um, if a team were to, tra- were to trade up and try and get this pick to take two or, or a player of their liking and, and, you know, you guys as the Washington Redskins could, you know, take that trade and get some assets and, and you know, you don't have a second round pick, what type of package would that look like for you to do that? Or are you just, if you're the Redskins, are you not interested in doing that at all because you want to get a, a complete game record like Chase Young? Uh, I, I don't think I'd be very interested. I think it would the package would require at the very least three picks and one of them being in the top 10 this year um so uh, i wouldn't be very interested i think chase young is like i said the best player on the board and i'd be happy to have him even though the edge room might be a tiny bit crowded i still think that he's such an impact player he might be the best guy they have immediately when they draft him um or eight games in, he might be making the biggest impact on this defense so uh, i think it might be a no-brainer pick here yeah from the red perspective too like i don't think rivera's in any type of rush uh, in terms of taking a, a package from another team, at this point, I feel like you just take Chase Young, generational pass rusher, add him to that defensive line. Uh, well, let's get to the most anticipated pick so far. And uh, the draft starts at three, everyone says. And so Connor, he's Bob Quinn. He's got a Louisville slugger in his hand. Connor, you're yes, on the clock here with the Detroit we do. Lions. We do. We're ready to go. The Lions are definitely ready to go. <laughs> there They're... he is with the baseball bat. <laughs> There will definitely be some choice uh, words being muttered from the Lions' war room after Chase Young is picked at two, that's for sure. But I think the Lions shouldn't really be devastated in the consolation pick that they get here at three. The pick is definitely an enthusiastically Simmons from Clemson, for sure. I think this is going to be a guy that's going to give the likes of Mitch Trubisky nightmares, not knowing where this dude is going to line up on the field. I think he definitely brings a dimension to the Patricia defense. And if Patricia really can't get it done with a playmaker on this side of the ball, then his days in Detroit will truly be numbered. Yeah, Connor, I mean, when it comes to Simmons, I think he's the guy that I think that they should pick a three. And that's not because I don't think Akuta's a great player or can be a great player in the NFL, but when everything I've heard from this regime since Patricia got on board is versatility, versatility. And... Here's probably the most versatile player to ever come out, potentially. I mean, and, and not only a guy who's someone who can be you know projected versatile, but you know played over 100 snaps at five different positions in college, was extremely productive. So it's not so much of a 
projection in the past. You look at guys like Josh Harvey Clemens or Obi Melifonwu. I think that those guys are definitely more projections than, than Simmons is. He still is a project, but in terms of a guy that Patricia should just be slobbering over, you feel like this has got to be him. Yep, I'm 100% there with you. I think I think in terms of having a corner, I mean, no disrespect to Okuda. With the other teams I have, I could definitely see myself picking him in not too distant future. But it doesn't really matter how good of a cover corner you have if you give the quarterback eight seconds to throw on the other side of the field. And with the Bears debatably upgrading with, you know, Foles and then having Cousins and Rodgers already in the division, the Lions need to get after the passer. And I think there are a lot of Lions fans watching the games, even though Stafford was injured, just kind of hoping to see some sort of a resemblance of a pass rush. And it just never came the entire year. And as a Lions fan, I don't really want to see that again next year. It would be really tough to have to watch another season of just quarterbacks getting all the time in the world to throw. Would you, uh, I mean, you're talking about getting, you know, pressure on the quarterback, which obviously the, the lions, that's a definite need. And it's been a need for, for some years now, would you use Simmons primarily in a, in a pass rushing role or, you know, what, what would your plan kind of be for him? I definitely could see Simmons moving in a variety of places for sure. I mean, to me, looking at kind of what the Lions have done in free agency, and again, not really having the context of looking at the rest of this draft, I wouldn't be shocked to see Flowers kind of move inside if the Lions fail to address the tackle. I'm assuming you're kind of referencing to Brown not being chosen at this spot because none of the other edges really project at the third pick. So I wouldn't be shocked to see that and see Collins kind of take on more of an edge role for the Lions potentially paired with Okwara, the Okwara they already have, of course. But it'll be interesting to see how they really decide to use Simmons. I think that's kind of what I like about him is he can kind of play safety. You could put him at edge. You can put him at linebacker and kind of end the Jared Davis experiment potentially. It really just will be neat to see what the Lions do. I think injuries also inevitably kind of play in a role in where Simmons might end up being. Lee, you're on the clock here with the New York Giants. Jeff Okuda has fallen to you. Is that going to be the pick? Jeff Okuda will not be the pick. Um... I'm very clearly looking only at the the four offensive tackles here who I think would be worth thinking of in this spot. And the one who I think if I was in this situation, the guy that I would uh, write down on the card would be Mekhi Becton out of, out of Louisville. I think that he, although he may not be the best uh, in week one out of these four guys, I think long, I, I think long term he will be the best. And I think I don't think that he'll be bad as bad week one as people are saying. I don't think he's as much of a project as people are saying. I think he's a little bit more polished than people give him credit for. And I think he's absolutely worth a top five pick if any of these other guys are. So Mackay Becton, my my uh, jumped he jumped Andrew Thomas as my number one offensive tackle. Yep, someone's been on our lads, baby, calculating those weights. Big boy. I love that pick. Yeah, He's done, he projected like my product. top tackle as well. Yep, Becton is a great selection right there. Lee, are you playing about right tackle day one if you're the Giants? Yeah. Move and Nate over. Move Nate to right? Nate's already over the hill. Let him finish his days out at right and uh, slot the stud in at left. So uh, it leaves me on the clock here with my first pick of three in the first round with the Miami Dolphins. And uh, I'm just going to dive in the quarterback pool, and I'll take Tua Tagovailoa. Um, overall, I think you know Tua is somebody who can be a franchise changer at the position. 
um, has, you know, really good, you know, arm strength, really good uh, feet as well in the pocket, something I noticed when I watched him, really good ability just to set himself up properly and, and make a throw. Um, obviously, the, you know, injury things are what they are. And he's, you know, also six foot 220, you know, not a big, big player as much anymore. And it's funny that in the past with Baker and Kyler, we've talked about size. And now that these guys are kind of in the NFL, it's almost like six foot is normal size for a quarterback now. But still, I mean, all these things are a concern. But honestly, with the two other picks in the first round, that makes me feel better about kind of taking a risk with Tua here as opposed to if I was a team like the Chargers um, and, and only having that one first pick uh, or only one first round pick and you know really risking out a guy with some injury history. I think you can take Tua here at five, still get really good talent uh, later on in this first round. And you know, if you need to reevaluate the quarterback position in a season or two again, then you do it. I mean, you have another first-round pick next year. If Tua just gets hurt again and you got to move up to take a quarterback, then you can just try your luck again. But at this point, um, I'm just going to bite the bullet a little bit and, and take Tua. I think it's a great pick, Adam. Um, I mean, obviously, I think the medical concern is is legitimate, and it's it's easy for us to say, you know, to take Tua here now and, and not make the $30 million investment or whatever it would be at, at pick five. Uh, but that being said, I think, you know, he has the highest ceiling in the class at the quarterback position. And I think I completely agree with what you said. The the, the more draft capital you have, it gives you insurance of sorts to, to take, take a risk with Tua and uh, just the type of franchise changing talent that he can be. And you can start Fitzpatrick year one and you can, you know, let Tua learn the system and fully be fully healed for whatever that's worth. Um, and, you know, go forward with a guy, finally. So I think it's a great pick, Club. Connor, you're on the clock here with the Chargers. What direction are you going to go? We're going to go in an interesting direction here, and we're going to take Okuda here, as I had alluded to earlier, potentially taking him. So, Connor, could just kind of, I guess, explain, you know, pick, quarterback Connor. would be the other obvious option, yeah. why Okuda over the top quarterback, I guess, on the board of Herbert, or even a guy like Love, maybe. Yeah, I think looking at this from some of the comments the Chargers made, I think they really are kind of invested in Tyrod right now, or Tyrod, however we've decided as a media to pronounce that name. I think they're kind of excited about that direction i think corner is definitely a position of need okuda people are talking about him at three this is kind of a slip here i don't really as a fan base get excited about taking you know herbert would reasonably be the guy here right after tua i think if you wanted Tua, you would have made the move i know there's no trades in this mock draft to move up and jump and get him i don't really think you're happy with i guess herbert at this area of the draft i think at that point you might as well roll the dice in the second round and then maybe wait on Fields or a Lawrence next year if it really goes that bad with Taylor. Yeah, I feel. I mean, Connor, I completely understand where you're coming from. And then I guess again, too, just for the for the listener, I don't know if I really preface this enough at the top. This is purely a what would we do mock. We're not trying to project anything here. We are pretending to be the GMs of these teams. And if we were in this seat, like this is what we would do. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there as well, just in terms of of Herbert, like you know. We're not trying to project, you know, that Okuda is going to go to the Chargers. You know, Kerber very well could be the the pick at six when when Thursday rolls around. But this is, you know, Connor as as the head there in LAC. He's gonna he's gonna go and take uh, uh, the corner. Um, Tommy, you're on the clock for the first time, I believe. Correct. Here with the here with the Carolina Panthers, uh, and you, you got a little bit of a run here. I think you got five picks in a row. So let's let's kick off the party. Yeah, let's let's kick it off, and and that was purely unintentional and uh you know it's it's a little unfortunate you're not going to be hearing me for a little bit but I, I get to own you know picks seven through eleven but that's irrelevant right now because i'm the carolina panthers and i'm marty herney and uh matt rule and 
I know this is a no trades mock, but if I'm if I'm Carolina Carolina fan, I kind of have the same attitude that I think Detroit Detroit Lions fans have, and I think this is a place where you want to trade back because one thing in preparing for this pick is you have a lot of needs on this team. Um, you could use a starting interior offensive lineman and a starting interior defensive lineman, a linebacker to replace Keekley uh, in a corner too. So, but obviously we can't do that here, and we got to stick and pick. And for that reason, I think I'm going to take Derek Brown here out of Auburn, interior defensive lineman. And I think this is the safest pick that they can make. It's a huge need, and they were one of the worst run-defending teams in the NFL last year. I think Derek Brown, day one, comes in uh, as your best interior defensive lineman and does you know a ton in being able to stop that run from day one. Are you concerned a little bit about the lack of you know maybe not pocket pushing ability, but you know pure pass rush finishing sack ability at a interior for an interior D lineman to take him all the way up at seven? I mean, obviously, I know you're saying I'd rather trade back, but if you're sticking here at seven, it seems it just you know people could think it's high for a guy who maybe doesn't necessarily get huge sack numbers. It is. It it 100 is, and I you know. I've, and I think that's valid, uh, but I think it's just a little high for me to take a guy like Christian Fulton or Jeff Gladney. And I mean, I really was thinking about taking Patrick Queen here. That's a you know a linebacker that I really like a lot, and I think would be a, a great fit for them. But Brown, I think for me, it's just kind of about hitting doubles, and he would. He, they need a player like him. It's it's a you know position in need, and he's arguably you know one of the better players available on the board. And I and I know what I'm getting from him on day one. Uh, I think, you know, as I said in an earlier podcast, I think he arguably has the highest floor in this whole draft. So I think day one, I know what I'm getting with Derek Brown in Carolina. All right, Steve Kime, you're up again here. Steve Kime is indeed up here again. And this, uh, you know, before, before the DeAndre Hopkins, uh, um, you know, the acquiring of DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver was possibly, uh, you know, a need here for an, an alpha to really help Kyler. But I think... Much like I've said before with San Francisco, I think a lot of this offense kind of you can produce from the wide. The, a lot of the production comes from the scheme instead of the individual talent. And, and you know, with that being the case, you need to protect Kyler Murray, who's uh, you know one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, one of the, arguably the best young quarterback in the NFL right now, and is and is looking to really you know make his mark in this league in this upcoming year. And I think you got to protect him. He a lot of, he took a lot of sacks last year, and some of that was his fault, but. A lot of it had to do with the fact that this offensive line is really bad. And again, with my theme of, of hitting doubles here, Tristan Wirfs is enticing because of the versatility and the athleticism that he can bring to my scheme. But I'm going to take my OT1, Jedrick Wills, and plug him in as the right tackle from day one and uh, really kind of just lock down that side of, of the field in terms of pass protection. Tommy, does it worry you at all that with Wills and Wirfs that they may project better as guards uh, down, the, down the line? Yeah, I think that more, in my opinion, it pertains to Wirfs, and that's almost a plus for me because I think right now they could use you could use a guard. Either way, I I, I think that's a plus almost because you you have Sweezy. They're they're weak on the interior and the exterior, so that's why I think you know Wirfs. I think day one you could he could really excel with his athleticism as a guard or a tackle, but um, I think both of them would be would be great fits in Arizona. Tommy, it's your first of two picks with the Jags here, pick number nine. Yeah, and this is another spot, much like Carolina, where I would be, I would be trading out. Um, I know, obviously, that you do have a need at interior defensive line, and Kinlaw, Kinlaw is enticing, and I think that would be the chalk pick. But Tommy Chalk, Tommy Chalk isn't going chalk with the Jaguars. Mm. 
And if I'm Jacksonville, I'm committing to Gardner Minshew for this next year. And we got another good quarterback class coming up in the next year. Let's see what you've got in Minshew. And in order for me to do that properly, I'm going to bring in Jerry Judy to Jacksonville. Last night I tried some raw oysters. You got D.D. Westbrook and Chris Connolly, who are both going to be UFAs after this year. You have D.J. Chark, who had a really nice year last year, but really I think is more of a deep threat and uh, is not really the, the number one alpha receiver and it doesn't really have the... I think Judy can just be that guy who can let you know Westbrook for this next year and Chark for the, the next couple of years run free and go deep with Minshew, and, and Judy can kind of be your... Your dirty, your dirty underneath guy who's going to get the majority of your targets and be your your number one possession receiver. So, I think this is a great pick for Jacksonville. Um, not the biggest need on their roster, I'll admit, but I think this is a need going forward. Uh, regardless, if it's Gardner Minshew, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or whoever is your quarterback uh, next year going forward, you're going to want a, a number one receiver like Jerry Judy and that kind of talent um, in your in your offense. So, bring the Florida boy home. All right, we got the Browns at pick ten. And uh, again, you know, you know, much like, or much like, or, or not like Jacksonville and, and Carolina, uh, Cleveland reportedly wants to trade back, and I think that would be a bad idea here. This is a team that clearly, I think, can take advantage of the top tier of this offensive line class and get a left tackle. And I'm going to give them Andrew Thomas here. Plug and play from day one um, is going to give you a, a really high floor, I think, and also the. Uh, a, a nice ceiling as well. I, he tested well at the combine. I just think this is a, a high floor pick for a Cleveland Browns team that really needs to solidify their offensive line. Well, then let's finish off your, your five picks in a row here, Tommy, with the New York Jets. Are you going to find another piece for Darnold here? I, uh, I'm not. I'm going to take Tristan Wirfs here for the New York Jets. I know that Joe... That's a piece for Darnold. That can count. Yeah, that can count. I, I know that a lot of the speculation is now that they want to go out and get a receiver and. I would not be upset uh, as a Jets fan if they took Henry Ruggs or C.D. Lamb here, but I am not satisfied with the patchwork that they did at the offensive line this offseason. And I think Tristan Wirfs, uh, I'd mentioned it with the Cardinals, uh, potential fit with him and the Cardinals. He can come in and play right tackle, or he can come in and play guard. You need depth. You need, you know, just high-level talent across your offensive line. I think he would be their most talented offensive lineman from day one, and it's something that you need to do, much like I did with the Browns and the Cardinals before them. you got to support your young uh, rookie quarterback who's still on that deal. So another lineman off the board. Lee on thebackjudge.com, you penned a letter to Joe Douglas. Uh, what do you think of Joe Douglas's pick here at 11? I think it's a, it's a good pick. I mean, you take the best lineman available. Um, Judy's off the board, so he's my number one receiver by a decent margin. So I don't think, you know, I think Ruggs or Lamb would maybe be under consideration at this point, but would be kind of a reach. And I think Wirfs is a guy who maybe projects, uh, like we talked about earlier, his future projects on the inside a little bit. But I still think this is a steady pick. Um, and he's going to be an improvement to that Jets O-line that is in desperate need uh, of, some, of some help, of some cleanup. Well, and that brings us to the first pick of the – for the, for the Las Vegas Raiders, the first ever Las Vegas Raider to be drafted. Got picks at 12 and 19 here for general manager Mike Mayock, a.k.a. Lee Murray. Uh, with the first pick uh, of your two in the first round, uh, where are you going to go here? I'm going to take Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. Um, I understand that there's a need at receiver, um, but I think that there are similar needs on this defense. Uh, I, I consider Jeff Gladney, but I think that Overall, on my big board, I had Kinlaw as a higher-ranked player, and I think that Kinlaw could be a guy who I'm not a huge Malik Collins guy, and I think the depth in in uh, Vegas is is pretty solid. But 
you bring a guy like Ken Lyon to pair with your two rookies last year, Max Williams and Cleveland Farrell, and I think that you got a defensive line that is going to give those highly competitive, high-flying offensive uh, AFC West teams fits. Um, so you got you got to kind of go with a defensive-first mindset into this draft if you're Mayock. I really think Judy is the only player who could sway me out of that mindset at this point, and, uh, and he went. So Ken Law's the pick. Connor, Lee, Lee, Tommy, and I have talked a lot about the Raiders and kind of what we think they should do in the first round here, especially because they don't have a second-round pick. Where do you kind of see this team going? Oh, and maybe not so, you know, you don't have to say what you think maybe on later, but just in terms of their needs, where you, where's your head at? It's interesting. I think they could kind of use a receiver. I know that's kind of going to be devastating in that fan base considering they had Antonio Brown and gave up a fair amount of capital to get him. I know – CD still kind of on the board here would definitely be enticing. Kinlaw I knew would go, and I actually like Kinlaw a lot, so I'm not really surprised Lee took him there. I don't know predictive-wise whether he'll go this high necessarily. I know, like, Kalevon, I'm kind of surprised, is still sitting on the board here for sure. I know interior is a bigger need for the Raiders. They do have Maurice Hurst, the Michigan man, who's had a nice career so far. I think think the Raiders, you really can't go wrong. Yeah, no, I I think it's I don't have any issues with Ken Law really. Uh, Lee, had I taken Ken Law at nine with the Jaguars, do you think you would have taken Judy? Um, I think yes, most likely I would have taken Judy with this pick. So let me get us to the San Francisco 49ers. I'm on the clock here. San Francisco picks at 13 and 31 in the first round. Doesn't have another pick until the fifth, so maybe a, a candidate to trade back at that 31 pick to get some extra assets maybe later on, but. Uh, for the purposes of this mock, they'll only be picking in the first round. And um, I'm, I'm going to go with Jeff Gladney here from, from TCU. In terms of what I have on my board right now, um, I do admit I have C.D. Lamb a little bit higher, but not by much. And I like what I can get later on, perhaps, with the wide receivers uh, than the corners. Not necessarily that I will go wide receiver at 31. Don't want to tip my hand or anything. But in terms of the corner uh, you know, class, I think the wide receiver class is a little bit stronger uh, later on in, the, in this first round. And so uh, in that case, I'm just going to go with a guy in Jeff Gladney who really I just loved watching on film. Just a guy who was super tough. I, I've kind of somewhat comped him to Tredavious White. I think, yeah, obviously, that's a little bit of a high comp. But I think people are overlooking him just because of his size. Uh, but he still has a you know, really long wingspan. I think he has versatility, too, potentially, between playing nickel and outside. I think he can do a lot of things well. And overall, just a football player. He played a ton of football at TCU. Uh, and I'm just going to go with, with Jeff Gladney here, turning the card. F- fantastic pick, Adam. Yeah. That's a great pick. Love it, Clot. Like I said, I was considering him at 12. So not surprised to see him go shortly and after. I'm once again on the board with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And... Buccaneers are, are an interesting spot here. Um, you know, the four the four main tackles are gone, which uh, for me is is frustrating at this point. Um, I would have hoped that one of those guys would have would have fallen to me. Um, again, you know, receiver is is interesting, but I feel like already with with Evans and Godwin, I don't know if we need to add uh, too much to that. I mean, it's it's a tough spot here for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I'm gonna make a little bit of an interesting pick. A little bit of an interesting pick, and I'm going to help out the interior of that offensive line and get myself Cesar Ruiz from, from Michigan. Wow. Ooh. When you look at the depth in the interior O-line class later on, it's not really there. I think there's definitely some tackles maybe we can look at potentially later, uh, and I'm just going to go and get Ruiz, bring him in. Hmm. 
Would you play him at guard, Clep? Do you think? Interesting. Center or guard? I don't. You know, I'm not off the top of my head, not well versed on what the Buccaneers have going on there, but I just know they have. They can add at least two pieces to that O line. So, definitely. I like Ryan Jensen. He's he's a gritty guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's our center. <laughs> I just think you got to protect Brady, man. I mean, he's not a. Never that he was a mobile guy, but more than ever, yeah. you know, you got to make sure that he's got a good pocket around him. Uh, I, I, it was too high for me to get DeAndre Swift here, who's my number one running back. I just couldn't really pull the trigger on that at 14 and didn't love the other options. Uh, you know, I, I could have gone Kenneth Murray, I guess, but they, I, they got, you know, Devin White last year. So just for me, this was uh, a pick that I had to make. And, oh, boy, look at me again with them, with them Denver Broncos. Always, uh, always an interesting selection. Uh, I've, it's, it's been a much debated top topic on the back judge podcast as to what the Broncos should do here at 15. And I'm going to take Kenneth Murray. I'm going to give him a little field general over there at linebacker. We're going to, we're going to turn in the card. Kenneth Murray off the board at 15. Fangio yep. drafting his guy. Didn't like Devin Bush, but he likes Kenneth Murray <laughs> this year. And, uh, we now have the Atlanta Falcons on the board at 16. Kind of an interesting spot. You guys talk about trading down. This is a team that's interested as a candidate to maybe trade up, get themselves in a position where they can take a uh, number one cornerback. I, unfortunately, couldn't do that, so I'm, I'm sitting here at 16 and assessing my board. And the way this thing has fallen, there's a player that may not necessarily fit our biggest need on this roster, but he's a player who I think can play a lot of football year one. You can find a way to get him on the field, and he's going to make a big impact on that Xavier McKinney, the safety out of Alabama. I think this Falcons defense needs as much help as they can get. I know Keanu Neal is, Keanu Neal is probably one of the best players on their defense, but it's a guy who sadly cannot seem to stay healthy, and you're going to need to find a, a rotational guy to replace him when he's injured and even when he's on the field. I think they can pair Xavier McKinney with him back there. And those guys both can kind of, you know, lurk there in the in the secondary and, and, and give those other OCs nightmares. He's also a local Atlanta guy, so I think bringing him back to his roots, this is right around. Uh, he's he's a top ten player on my big board, so I think this is a, a high value pick for the Falcons and in adding an impact player on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a great pick, Lee. I um, I don't think it's his. I mean, I think he would be good as kind of the over top safety because I'm assuming if Keanu Neal is is healthy, you're going to probably want him around the line of scrimmage. Um, I would assume, and you'd have Xavier McKinney in a little bit more of a coverage role, but he's, I mean, he's still really good at that too. I just, I think his, the best role for Xavier McKinney is to kind of be, put him around the line of scrimmage. You can, you know, put him on tight ends if you want, but really just kind of get him almost as like a linebacker. But either way, I think it's, it's a really good pick. Connor, you're on the clock here with, with Tommy's team, the Cowboys. What are you going to do here with this 17th overall pick? Yeah, this draft's been interesting so far. Not really who I thought I'd be taking here, but I'm going to fill the need and go with Caleb on from LSU. Bust. Wow. Wow. There's a lot of uh, word that they this is actually who they want um, in real life as well, which, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hard to, hard to sack the quarterback when you can't stay on your own feet. So that's what I'll, that's what I'll say about yeah. that pick. I, I uh, you know, the upside is there, Connor, but I don't know how much of a, a you know, what he's going to do from, from day one. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Well, Taco Charlton is now on the, is now on the Dolphins, right? 
Connor, I mean, do you want to explain? I'm sorry, Connor. I didn't mean to, you know, shut you up too much. What do you like about Caleb on in his fit with Dallas here? I honestly think he's going to go higher than this in the draft. I think just based off of what I've heard, I like the production in college. I think he's, you know, balance may be an issue here, but I don't think this is a guy that's necessarily going to be getting double teamed as Demarcus Lawrence already on the Cowboys here. I mean, I've thought about going a lot of different directions here. I mean, I'm kind of surprised CD's still on the board. I was really tempted to kind of go in that direction, but this is just kind of a spot where the need's just too big for the Cowboys to really ignore here. Well, yeah. I mean, Connor, you mentioned CD Lamb is still on the board, and with the 18th pick in the draft, that's what I'm going to do for Miami. I'm going to pair CD Lamb with with Tua, you know, Probably, hey, maybe he would have gone to, to 15 and uh, John Elway, but, hey, I was in that seat for a second. I hacked that Zoom. I'm in this Zoom now, and I'm going to take C.D. Lamb. And, yeah, C.D., I, I think, you know, you know, more so than people think, I do think the Dolphins have some depth at the receiver position, especially because Devontae Parker had his best year as a pro um, last year. But, overall, I think C.D. Lamb is great with the ball in his hands after the catch. I think he can do a lot of things uh, really well, especially in the air and contested catches as well. And I think he'll just be, you know, to his best friend from the start. Lee, Lee, this brings you. So you drafted Javon Kinlaw with with number uh, twelve. Find yourself at number nineteen. Las Vegas Raiders back on the clock. Their last pick in this mock draft. Uh, what direction are you going here? Um, there's a player on the board who I think you can slot in as your receiver number one. Um, and he's available at this spot. I don't think that even with the need at corner. I'm looking at Jalen Johnson. I'm looking at Arnett, A.J. Terrell, some of my top corner guys. Definitely bringing up the conversation in my head, but Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama is a player who I think um, has too big of an upside on offense with the Raiders. They're, they have Tyrell Williams and Zay Jones are their other top two receivers. Sure, they have Hunter Renfro as a good complimentary piece, and they signed Nelson Aguilar, who I don't think is that great. Um, so they need to really improve this receiver core, and I think Ruggs is just the guy to do it at this juncture. Um, and I think that he can open up their offense and they can assess that cornerback position with their two picks in the third round. Baby Tyreek, great pick. I don't know if I would say that. I, I think, I, what did I say to you, Tommy? He kind of reminds me of like a more polished version of Hollywood Brown a mm, little bit. Like definitely. A bigger and, and, and more, more physical version of, of Hollywood Brown. Better Maybe route tree. I think he, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I like that a lot. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, the, the thinking with Denver taking him or, you know, Oakland or a lot of these teams, you know, you see the Chiefs and these teams got to go up against the Chiefs. And I think this is kind of it's a copycat league and getting a guy like Henry Ruggs, who has the vertical speed and also the re- receiving abilities that he has um, is just I would be very surprised if both, you know, CD and Ruggs make it to 18 and 19, um, you know, come draft day. We different. I'm up with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and still, this is a team, you know, with a lot of needs, and the board, I think, has fallen nicely for them to, I think, attack their biggest need, and that's the corner. It's the cornerback position. Um, right now, this team is just completely completely barren in the secondary. You've got DJ Hayden and uh, Rashawn Melvin, so the two Lions cast off, so you're two starting corners right now, and I'm going to take a guy that I think might not have the highest ceiling, but I think has a really high floor and I think is scheme versatile. Um, and, and that's Christian Fulton from LSU. Um, that's a, he's a guy who I think uh, had really good tape in 2018. He regressed a little bit last year, but I think he, um, you know, 
Stingley got a lot of the attention last year, but I think Fulton uh, might not have the upside of some of these these other corners, but I think you're going to get the floor and you're going to get a guy that can be a, a big piece moving forward. I mean, both Hayden and Melvin are going to be UFAs next year, so you get a uh, this is your your Jalen Ramsey replacement in, in Christian Fulton. I mean, I agree with the corny, Tommy, but why Fulton over you know a guy like Henderson um, or even you know a guy like AJ Terrell? I mean, for me, Fulton, when I watched him, I saw you know a lot of the the natural talent, but even more so in my opinion than Henderson, I thought he was worse in terms of just not wanting to involve himself in tackling or plays that really didn't need his involvement. I just I don't know. What, did you see that as well, or what's kind of the thinking there? Yeah, I, I definitely did, and I mean, I saw it there with Henderson too, but I just think they're. I mean, I just like Fulton more than Henderson, and I, you know, I think coverage is obviously. I would like it if if Fulton had that dog mentality and he was in there, you know, making tackles. But uh, you got to value the coverage that he brings to the table. And I think that I mean, I thought he was more physical than Henderson, but I mean, I think a lot of these guys, you know, they, you just need them. You know, you need them to cover. Obviously, I don't. I don't like that he's not physical, but. You just got to uh, go with the, the, the BPA and the need right now, in my opinion. Lee, you're here with the Dirty Birds at 21. Uh, what direction are you going? I'm going to take Jeremy Chin, the safety wow. out of Southern Illinois. Wow. This is a player who I knew I'd be taking him in the early to, to, to late 20s here in this mock draft, and it just so happens that I'm taking him here. Looking over the Eagles depth chart, I understand there's a need at receiver. I think this is one of the deepest receiver classes I don't think they should give up their second-round pick, and I truly do think that with the departure of Malcolm Jenkins that they're back at the back end of their defenses, even with the addition of Darius Slay, they need help in their secondary. Um, and bringing in a guy like Jeremy Chin, who you can plug in at strong safety, and also you can toy around with him playing outside backer because you do not have a lot of depth um, at the outside backer or even middle linebacker position. So I think this is a guy who is, like Tommy says, scheme-versatile. On the defensive side of the ball, you can plug them in multiple places, and those places just so happen to be where the Eagles need uh, value. So Jeremy Chen would be the pick here. Lee, was there any reason, was it between him and Patrick Queen? or Patrick Queen absolutely was someone that I was considering, but the fact that Patrick Queen, you'd have to plug him in at middle backer. I'm not aware enough of what the Eagles think about TJ Edwards. It seems to me that he did well enough for them to have confidence in him. Um and I think that they really do need help on the outside as well as middle backer. I don't think T.J. Edwards is necessarily any you know, better or worse than Duke Riley or Nathan Gary. So I just think they ultimately need help at that linebacking core and in the secondary. And I know it might be tough picking a guy who you can't just plug at one position, but I still think that you can do that with Chin. You can plug him in at strong safety if you want to, or you can toy around with him in, in different packages and, and have him play outside backer. Um, so, so I think that, that that's the pick there. Shin's a guy who's top 20 on my big board. So, All right, the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock here with the first of two picks in the first round. I've got the Vikings, of course. And I'm thrilled that this guy has fallen to me at 22, and that's A.J. Terrell. Um, he's a player who I think uh, that Mike Zimmer is really going to like just in terms of his length, um, size, speed, combination. Yeah, there's a little bit of development uh, there to be done. But you know, I think Lee and I have kind of talked about this where it, maybe if Terrell stayed one more year, he might have been you know, kind of in a Okuda-type conversation in the, as a top-ten corner. And I think you're getting pretty good value with him down at 22. 
I know, you know, the, the LSU game didn't go as well as maybe you would have hoped it to go, but still it was, you know, pretty elite receiver, pretty elite quarterback. I mean, the quarterback went number one overall, and some of those balls were placed pretty, you know, pretty well. Uh, and so just Terrell, I like him as a high upside guy, guy who kind of brings all levels of the game uh, as a corner, and that's going to be my pick here for the, for the Vikings who have a huge need at corner. I mean, they lost Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes, and Xavier Rhodes. So uh, this is just filling a huge need here. Good pick, Pop. Connor, you're on the clock here with the New England Patriots. Yeah, New England. Well, I think there's absolutely no way he gets here, but Herbert is the pick for sure. The Patriots get to hold on to their plethora of draft picks and get the third best QB in the draft, for sure the third. I mean, I think he's a step above love for sure. I mean, the Patriots should be ecstatic to get this pick. I think the Jaguars, I get kind of wanting to ride with Minshew, but I would be really shocked if... He's not taken before then. I mean, the Jaguars have had it twice. I was getting asked about not taking him at six with the Chargers, and we're taking him at 23. I mean, I'd be thrilled if I was a Patriots fan to have Herbert. I think that all depends on kind of how you see the team right now. I don't know. You know. And you're going to trot out Stidham? Absolutely. If you think you can win that way, there's other holes on the team. If you think you can plug in Stidham, you know. Hole number one's the quarterback. I mean, this team's trying to compete for Super Bowls. We're, that's where we're at with New England. That's the standard that's there. I don't think Stidham gets you there. So, I don't think Herbert is a guy who's going to compete for Super Bowls in the near future right now. I think he's yeah, a developmental pick. That's what I so would say, I, too. I don't necessarily think – I would venture to say I don't necessarily think if you started both of them day one that Herbert would be better as a starting quarterback than Stidham. I think it's um, ridiculous. That might be a little bit of a reach, but that's kind of how I feel about Herbert's development. And, and, and I don't know. I don't think Herbert's a first-round player. So I, I guess I'll kind of leave it at that. Um, we can move on. Yeah, I've got the New Orleans Saints, and it's their only pick of the first two rounds. Connor saved me a little bit of trouble, I guess, with maybe thinking of going the quarterback route here at 24. But now that Herbert's off the board, uh, my board is pretty open. I mean, the, the New Orleans Saints have needs – Pretty much everywhere. Um, but the one thing that I, I feel like, you know, this is probably Drew Brees, maybe his last season. And, you know, I know that there is maybe a need at, at linebacker, but I think with Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, I think you can, you know, go one more year. But without maybe addressing that right now, as, you know, Patrick Queen is still on the board, obviously. So that's, that's in my mind. But I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson here uh, out of LSU. Get a, you know, really good slot receiver to pair up with Mike Thomas and, just give Drew Brees all of the help that he can go, you know, can have. I do think that, you know, there's this roster is probably one of the better ones in the NFL just, uh, you know, on paper. But I think adding uh, Justin Jefferson really adds a, a just a good, you know, second piece to their passing attack. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree uh, too much with the player just because of what he would bring to that offense, especially adding Emmanuel Sanders. But, I mean, I think I would I would lean Queen, but Jefferson would probably be the uh, the next direction I would go. And I think uh, your win now mentality is kind of accurate to how the Saints operate as well. So um, overall, uh, I think it's a good pick. And I'm right back up on the clock again with the Minnesota Vikings. And I mean, I'm in another interesting spot here because yeah, I don't know. I feel like this maybe is. You know, an interesting way to go. But again, you look at their secondary, and they lost three corners essentially: Trey Wayne's, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, and uh, Xavier Rhodes. Uh, Mike Hughes is a guy who they've played a lot in the slot, 
And a guy that's just sticking out on my board right now is C.J. Henderson from Florida. I mean, he has all the physical tools you want in, in a corner in terms of the, the size, weight, and speed. You know, I, there's definitely the physicality issues on tape, but some of the things that I saw was more of a form tackling issue than an actual want to. Um, you know, he blitzes a lot, uh, can you know put in big hits on the quarterback every once in a while too. So for me, C.J. Henderson is a guy who's just kind of sticking out on my board. And I guess, you know, doubling up on corners is maybe an interesting way to think, go about things in, in Minnesota, but they had a mass exodus at that position. And I think you can potentially go from, you know, what was before this draft, potentially one of the worst corner rooms in the NFL to, you know, maybe not in year one the best, but a, a really promising, you know, developmental stable there in, in Minnesota. You can never have enough good corners. And I am right back on the board again with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I've taken Tua. I've taken C.D. Lamb. And, you know, it's it's hard to know what to do at this point because I feel like I could definitely add a tackle um, in Josh Jones, and that might be what I end up doing. I could go, you know, with, with a defensive piece, but I'm not really sure, you know, on my board. I don't really have a safety high enough to take for them. I know they had, you know, Rashad Jones left, and there's a little bit of a hole there. Could even look at, at running back potentially, but I still think I'm going to go back to that original pick in, in Josh Jones. I just want to give my quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa every chance he has to be successful. I've got two more picks in the second round. I might start looking for defense there. So uh, my OT5, and I really like getting him here at 26. I don't really feel like I'm reaching for him, and that's Josh Jones out of Houston. Had a great senior bowl week. Clap, um, I think this is a dream scenario ahead. for Miami. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say yeah. that, too. I wanted to talk about that. They really shaped up reshaped the future of their offense kind of in, in, in three picks and I think they're they got a smile on their face heading into day two. You give up no capital for, for Tua. You know there you talked about the insurance you're getting and you're getting a arguably wide receiver one and CeeDee Lamb to pair with Devontae Parker press and Preston Williams and then bringing in Josh Jones who's a, a versatile piece for a you know abysmal offensive line. So good job. Uh, Lee, you've got the Seahawks first pick of three in these first two rounds. Uh, where, where do you kind of see the Seahawks going here? Are we going to see a big splash pick maybe in the backfield? <laughs> uh, no, we're not going to uh, be seeing that just based on the way the board has fallen. Um, there's a lot of really who I think are really good players available, and this is a Seahawks team that I think at this juncture in the draft, the best way to help Russell Wilson would be to keep reshaping that defense and keep, uh, you know, Trying to get that defense into a, into a position where where it can help the offense win, as opposed to you know historically for Seattle since the exodus of uh, um, LOB when they when the, after the mass exodus they've kind of relied on Russell Wilson and, and the magic he's created to to compete in the league. So I'm going to go on defense, and we may be adding uh, to a little bit of of it might be a little bit of a luxury pick because this guy isn't a guy who can step back and play linebacker outside linebacker, which is a position they may need. But Etor Gross-Matos is on the board, and this is a guy who I think is extremely projectable. Um, I value him as a top-20 player on my big board, and I think that he's a guy who will start day one for Seattle, make a big impact, and I think Seattle's a great fit for him. I think they'll be able to develop him well, um, and I think he'll be able to move across that defensive line comfortably and, and, and play in a, a couple. He's versatile along the line. He can play in a couple different spots, um, and I'm excited to see him develop uh, as a player, player in the league. I think this is a... I do not think he'll be available in the real draft at, at 27 for what it's worth. So, Yeah, Lee, great, great, uh, great pick and arguably their biggest need too. So can't argue with that. And I'm up next with the Baltimore Ravens and, and we're jumping for joy in our draft room because a top 20 player on our board and Patrick Queen has fallen to the 28th spot. 
And I would be shocked, much like Yitor with the pick before, I'd be shocked if Patrick Queen's on the board at, at this point. Um, I think he's my LB2. Uh, it's arguably the biggest need on the team with next to guard, I'd say. Um, but the value just isn't there for guard. And, and just Patrick Queen falling to this spot, plug-and-play starter with, with huge upside. And I think this is a, you know, this is a, he can have Hall of Fame potential in Baltimore with the type of coaching he's going to get there and the type of organization he's running into. About to make me, let me make yeah. a prophecy. Um, at 29, it's time to take that lick clap because A.J. Epineza is uh, on the board and the Tennessee Titans are going to select A.J. Epineza out of Iowa. Another great fit, in my opinion. A guy who can play inside and outside, getting drafted to a team that just so happens to need help on the inside and on the outside uh, of their defense. And I think you pair this guy with Jeffrey Simmons and you got two guys along that defensive line that you can rely on for the next 10 to 12 years. So A.J. Epineza from Iowa, good fit, good pick. Restock that defense and, and keep trying to compete for a Super Bowl with Tannehill. I think this is a realistic fit for him, and I think he's he's a Rabel player, Lee. You, you summed it up. I think it's a really good pick. Claps a couple yaps deep in the night, and now he's just got to take that lick at pick 29. Sorry, I'm an Italian stallion, baby. I'm not worried. <laughs> Connor, uh, you're at 30 with the Green Bay Packers. Pick someone terrible, please. Yeah. We're going to go with LaVisca here. We're going to fill that receiver need. Beautiful pick, Connor. I was considering him at uh, 21 with Philly. Yeah, I think think he's pretty talented. I think the Colorado thing hurts him a little bit with some of the higher prestige school receivers in this draft. I think he's talented enough to be picked at 30. And, I mean, it's – it's a gross need for the Packers. I mean, if a lot of the Packers kind of focus right now should be convincing Aaron Rodgers not to hang it up. And I think getting this target for him will make him kind of think a little longer about sticking around. Well, I mean, they're a team that has ignored offense, it seems like, in the top of, of the draft. So, I mean, uh, whether or not, you know, Chenault is, you know, he wasn't yeah. my top receiver available at this point, but I definitely have seen the talent. And, and especially with already a guy there like uh, Devontae Adams, Chenault maybe can have more of that just football player role. Uh, with the Packers for sure. And, yeah. hey, you know, LaFleur, if you're a real lab king, come on, get this guy some touches, right? Yeah, he sure will. Exactly. He gets his Debo Samuel, I think, for, for this offense. I think it's a really good fit. And the word is he's healthy too, so. So at, at pick uh, 13, I went with Jeff Gladney for the corner for the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, this will be interesting to see what, what Lee and Tommy think of this pick because I think they'll think it's a little bit of a surprise coming from me. But this is a wide receiver that I've gone back done a little work on and I think is definitely worthy of a first-round selection, and that's Denzel Mims from, from Baylor. I just think wow. I think you're going to have a hard time finding you know the NFL. I don't know if the top 32, he's 6'3", 220, runs a 4'3", has you know, ridiculous broad and vertical off the charts. Uh, you know, and from all accounts, too, what I read about him, super hard worker, you know, guy who you know, isn't your typical Big 12 Jalen Rager, Justin Coleman type receiver. Right? He's a big body who likes to get after it a little bit. And I think just pairing him with a guy like Debo, you're going to have, and you already have George Kittle, it's just going to be a great attack there in San Francisco 49ers, adding you know, Denzel Mims. Just don't put Motley across from him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Mims has all the upside in the world and obviously with his athletic profile, but I think... Uh, you know, there's just some more polished receivers on the board right now. And I and I also, like like I said on, on a previous episode, I just don't know how big of a need receiver is just because of what the scheme does for uh, the, these receivers and the way that Kyle Shanahan can scheme them open. And also, 
this team really, I think, kind of has a philosophical choice to make about are they going to continue to be just a run-heavy team? And, you know, maybe this is them going in more of a pass-happy direction. But, um, you know, I, I see the logic. Tommy, you're on the clock here. Last week of the first round with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. And as much as I want to to end the NFL and, and to uh, put Clyde Edwards-Alaire here to fit into this offense, I got to go with the biggest need on on this team, and that's cornerback. And I'm going to go with Damon Arnett. Um, when I did my my mock article up on the website for the AFC West, I pegged Damon Arnett here in the 32 spot. I just think. Uh, yeah, he he might not be the the best athlete, and you can kind of worry about that at the for the next level and the type of athletes he's going to be facing. But I love his mentality, um, great ball production. I think he's scheme versatile, and you know to be contrasted to a guy like Christian Fulton, he's a physical dude who uh, I just think has because of that has a has a really high floor, and he might not be a number one outside corner, but I think he can play on the slot and and be a really good number two corner at the next level and. I think he'd be the Chiefs' best corner um, from day one. So I think it's a really, you know, position in need. Connor, bring us into the second round here. So that's, yeah, that's the, so that's the first round here. We got Connor back up on the clock with the Cincinnati Bengals. They took Joe Burrow. Connor, who are you going to pair with them as your first pick in the second round? Um, let me take a look here and see who I feel like we should be going with. Um, I think here at this point, this is a really interesting pick for the Bengals because there's really just so many directions you can go with where they're at. There's a lot of talented people I want to go here. It'd really be, this is kind of where I would see a bat coming off the board, but with Mixon, you really just can't do it here. So I think I'm going to kind of, it may be a bit of a reach here, but it's a guy I kind of liked his film and that's Blacklock from TCU. Hmm. Like that, Connor. It's one of those guys... Uh, at least for me, Lee, you know, one of those, you know, the, one of the first guys kind of when I got into this process that I was looking at and, uh, you know, just not exactly, you know, it's just so long ago that you almost forget about him, but he was a dude who I think definitely flashed on tape. The injury history concerns me, you know, having that Achilles, that was definitely in, in the weight as well. He was playing at 330. Now he was under, under 300, I believe at the combine. So, but, but definitely a, a talented player and someone, I mean, the, the Bengals need defensive help as well. And I think they already have some nice weapons around, uh, Joe Burrow. The only thing was maybe you know getting another tackle or something like that. But yeah, I don't think it's the biggest position in need, but I do like the player. Likewise. So that that brings me to the Indianapolis Colts uh, sitting here at thirty four. It's their first pick uh, in this uh, in this draft. How did they get this one from the Redskins? You... Montez Sweat. Oh, mm, from 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 last year. A trade up last year. They traded back into the first round with with Indy. All right. So you know. We're, we're looking at the, the options that we have on the board here. Um, yeah, the, the, the Colts could go in, in a number of directions, but the, kind of the guy who is, is highest on my board right now and is in a position of need is, is Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah. Um, you, you drafted Rocky Sin last year. I know you brought in Xavier Rhodes, but still you need another guy to develop there. And, and Jalen Johnson, to me, is a player who can you know makes plays, is, is looking to make plays at the cornerback position, had, had multiple picks at Utah. And just, you know, another big body, too, you can bring in. He's not going to get overpowered by anyone that comes into that AFC South anytime soon. Um, so Jalen Johnson for me, 34. Connor, the Detroit Lions are on the clock. Bring that Louisville slugger out. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, let me get it out again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's Lions time. This is going to be interesting 
this one is killing me to be honest because there's a couple of names that I really want to go with here, but we're gonna go with the heart here. We're gonna go with Okwara. This is gonna be the two wow. brothers, Romeo and Julian. Wow. We have to get a pass rush here, and this is this is gonna solve it. This guy right here is gonna solve it. I wouldn't be shocked if Okwara sneaks his way into round one. I don't think it's a reach by any means. I think people are surprised I haven't ripped on Komet yet. But Okwara here, I think, is, fits in nicely. I was looking at Vaughn and Delpit specifically. Delpit, I think, is the best player available, but I just can't do it with the need there. Vaughn, I mean, it's just whether you really are ready to be done with Jared Davis yet. And for what they spent on him... Well, I mean, you already found the linebacker kind of in Isaiah Simmons. I, I would be looking at yeah, that's you know, what I'm a, a receiver potentially, or, but, but my pick would have been Gallimore from Oklahoma. Yeah, you, you yeah, got if you want to go with the, yeah, the interior. Take some space at the one tech, bring in Gallimore, gap shoot him in the three technique. Let's go. And, and also, if I may add, I mean, this is kind of the downside of, you know, the, the Akuda conversation. And if you don't take Akuda and you, you offer Simmons – you know, what is your, your cornerback room going to look like next year? And, you know, I mean, we obviously want a little corner heavy, but you got to take Lee's boy, Piemont. That's probably, you know, the next guy up for, you know, right right here. You want Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan for one year. That's what he, we're doing. Yeah, but if Truf I'm the Lions I, GM. I would be very skeptical. Riding to, with Trufant. Put Trufant in that number one role. You know, he's had injury issues. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting, but I think this is kind of why I went from a Simmons do Akuda guy just because – I think the need is just, you know, it's there. They really, really have a big need there. So, He has to be a top five corner in the game to make it worth it for you at three there. He has to be Jalen Ramsey or it's a bad pick. It's like the same thing with Saquon. Yeah, like it could work out, but he has to I be solid. I don't for think the money he's getting paid there. But it's the same thing for, for Simmons, too. And, I mean, I, I like Simmons a lot, too. I'm not saying... You know, I just think even... I think that Okuda is better than Trufant right now. So, and I think that's kind of... You know what it comes down to, and, and we've we talked about it. The lines address a lot of the potential positions that Isaiah Simmons uh, could fill in. You know, I don't. You know, again, I love Isaiah Simmons. I'm just saying this. I'm just pointing out this is kind of where, you know, you you kind of are going to need to take a corner at, at some point, or just trust that Amani Owari is going to be, you know, take that next step next year. I think there's a lot of what the Lions are doing when they decided that, you know, Slay wasn't there and they haven't been as active in free agency yet. I mean, part of it is they may want to look in the draft, but. To me, taking Motley here is just early when the problem is the pass rush. And everyone who, any, anyone who watched Lions football knows that that is the issue. And Simmons doesn't directly solve it. Moving Flowers to the inside and then putting Collins at the edge, that may be like a whole plug, but there's no guarantee that experiment's going to work. And I think with Okwara there, you're getting a guy who, honestly, I don't really like in the run game. And he didn't really show a lot of production, production in our name and he's injured. But I think away from that injury, he'd be in the first round. His percentage of hurries that he puts on quarterbacks is off the charts he has great length I think overall he's going to fit the need which is just getting after the quarterback and being someone that teams have to think about double teaming on passing downs Lee you're up with you're up with fair Gentleman in the Giants enough. you took uh Mekhi Becton with the fourth overall pick in the first round uh who, who are you going to get to go with him to pair at the top of the second here I'm going to take a player that I think uh, fits exactly what the Giants need, and that's a guy who's not afraid to stick his face mask in the middle of, of danger and, and, and get a gritty tackle. Uh, he can play linebacker, he can play edge, and that's Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. I think this might be the guy that Connor should have taken. 
But you can open up that conversation with, with Isaiah Simmons and whatnot. But for the New York Giants, I just think that this is a pressing need. I think Vaughn is a guy who could project um, as a linebacker in the future. Also, you know, proved his worth in the Big Ten uh, as an edge rusher, too. So I think the New York Giants would be very happy to have him at 33. And I will make it official now. I've, I've drafted the two guys with the, the positive drug tests or, or diluted samples at the combine. I'm telling everybody that I don't care. We've had the conversations behind closed doors. You know, I, I've let them know how I feel about it. So, um, you know, Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, I think that this is a guy who I see as a fringe first-round prospect. So um, I think with fit, that, that, uh, with fit considered, this is the pick here for the Giants. I was tempted to take someone else, but I don't want to give his name away because I, I don't want anyone to notice him. <laughs> Connor, you're on here with 37 with the uh, San Francisco – or sorry, with the L.A. Chargers – you took Okuda in the first round. Where are you going with this one? Yeah, we're going to go get the quarterback. We're going to go oh, get Love God. right here. Yeah, wow. I mean, my my hand's kind of forced here. I thought we might ride with Tyrod and still might. Love might sit. We don't really know where he's at in terms of playing with Utah State. I know I've heard the argument that a lot of the coaching was an issue there in terms of some of their production and, you know, wins versus well, losses coach. in college. I think this is a guy – I know we're not doing – a predicted draft, but this is another guy that I'm would be surprised if he doesn't go in the first round again. I don't really see the first round. I mean, if you're going off of Lee, who's saying blame it on the coaching here, he's saying there's going to be two quarterbacks going in the first round in terms of worthy of talent. So I don't think that's really. I'm realistic. not saying that's what's going to. That sounds happen. like me I'm and uh, that's what I would do. Sounds like throwback me and Lavery arguing with Adam about whether QB should be going in the first round or not. <laughs> Connor, why is Hertz not the pick here? Um, I don't think Hertz is the pick here because I think Love, in terms of the value where he's at, he's definitely more of a project player, but I think Hertz is less of a project to me than Love. I think Hertz, he's an older guy. You kind of know what you're going to get. I think the Chargers here, there's still a possibility that they ride with Taylor, and I think they want that possibility. If Love happens to be the guy, I think you could say he's got a lot of upside. I mean, there's a reason he was being talked about as maybe being the top guy, you know, a year ago. But for me, Hertz, you know what you're going to get out of him you're going to get a competitor and a guy that's experienced and has worked with Lincoln Riley and Saban so he's been around two good organizations but love here I think gives you the option of starting Taylor Tommy you took Derek Brown in the first round with the Carolina Panthers uh what are you doing here at 38 in the second yeah a lot of needs still for this team um corner probably is at the top of the list but I just uh I just don't see the value right now at the top of the second round for me personally on my board and I'm going to go with the upside pick, the the athlete. I think that can be molded in this this new Matt Roll team. He, lo- he loves athletes, and he doesn't mind taking a guy with maybe some character concerns. And we're going to take Willie Gay here, Willie Gay Jr. here from Mississippi State, linebacker. You need you need to inject some, you know, linebacker. All of a sudden became a need when Luke Keekley retired, and uh, Shaq Thompson has done done really good a really good job. Uh, and you know, and he's kind of the guy there now. And and you know, he was a guy who was kind of a raw athlete. Um, and coming out of uh, Washington a couple of years ago and, and has morphed into a really good NFL player. And I think you can kind of see the same type of rejection for Willie Gay. Um, I think he's a guy that, you know, has all the upside in the world. And I also think that he can, I think he can start in the NFL on, on day one just because of his athleticism. And he can kind of take the bumps and bruises that, that come with, with doing that. But at the end of the day, I think he uh, is nice value here just because of the upside he brings. Lee, want to add anything to that? No, you're a big Willie Gay guy. Oh, I think I, I think he's the best linebacker available. Um, I guess it might be a tiny bit of a reach considering the off the field concerns, but that that whole reach conversation will be swatted away very quickly if 
if he cleans up his act and kind of just stays out of trouble, which I don't think is highly unlikely. So the the Miami Dolphins again find themselves on the clock, and I'm going to be honest. This guy was in consideration for me at 26, but I figured that he would fall to me at, at 39. And and this is a cat that's top 20 on my big board, and you know I rarely have a college football player that I that I see during the regular season that I like. Man, that's a good player, and and it carries into the draft because I'm not just a huge college football nut, more so like like you know the the other three people on this uh, on this mock draft, but. That's safety Antoine Winfield from Minnesota. Beautiful. I know mm. that the injury issues are there, and I guess I've taken Tua with the injury issues. I guess I've taken Antoine Winfield with the injury issues. I'm rolling the dice, but you lost Rashad Jones. Antoine Winfield is just a guy who makes plays as a safety. You know, he may not have prototypical size and and all that, but I think he has range to be a single high guy. He makes tons of picks and is just always around the ball from that PJ Fleck, you know, DNA brings that energy to the backfield. And I, I think you know when you add. A guy like Byron Jones, you have Xavier Howard. You're just adding another piece to, to the secondary and building it slowly into you know one of the better back end units in the NFL. I love that pick, Clap. I was considering him at 21 with Chin there for the Eagles, um, as high as as high as 21. Yeah, I, so I think it's a great pick. He, he almost was my pick with with Carolina right there. Um, I think it's a great pick and and a really good fit for Miami too. Tommy, you have another little run here. It's Houston's only pick in the second round. Uh, one of the last drafted teams in the in in the draft, I guess you know, in the team draft. But uh, where, where are you looking with their with their sole pick here? This is, oh, this is I mean, this... you got to replace DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> with this one. At least you know someone of that level of talent, right? No, Adam, you you missed it. We we traded our second second round pick for Brandon Cook, so we actually don't need to do oh, that anymore. Oh my bad. <laughs> and it would also be nice to take one of the beautiful running backs on the board here too, but we have David Johnson now, and, and we have a plethora of holes on the offensive and, and defensive line. I mean, just prepping for this pick, uh, this team is just in a world of trouble, I think. You got the uh, your UFAs for next year's, or you know your free agents next year, Deshaun, Kenny Stills, Laramie Tunsil, um, Will Fuller, Zach Cunningham, Vernon Hargraves, and Garyon Connolly. I mean, so all of the kind of promising young players that haven't hit their second contracts really with I guess the the exception of Kenny Stills um, you're gonna have to pay uh, and this is a team that you know I could see them going kind of BPA approach and a, a player has fallen that's gonna prevent me from doing that and he's, he might be one of the best players available uh, and he definitely feels a need and that's Neville Gallimore yep. uh, to bring in to bring into Houston as I really like the Charles Amenahue pick last year he fell to the fifth round versatile defensive lineman bring another you know interior pass rusher kind of like a menu in with Gallimore and I think this is a guy who um you know is going to just find meaningful snaps on this team from day one and you know be a player for the future love that pick Tommy it's a good pick uh you're you're on, you're on the you. board again with the Cleveland Browns I am indeed and picks are coming fast man it's it, coming at you watch out <laughs> picks picks are really coming fast and this is another really nice scenario for Cleveland. I think there's a. This has been a, a guy that I've found. I've mocked them. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a need, and it's a guy who's kind of fallen. And that's Grant Delpit. Um, you got Anderson Dejo right now as your cover safety. You brought in Carl Joseph. Both of those guys are on one-year deals. Um, Delpit just from day one, I think, can come in and do everything that Carl Joseph can't. I think it's a perfect fit. He can be your cover safety. He has unbelievable range. He's a terrific athlete. 
Yes, there's legitimate concerns, I think, with his tackling and, and just kind of how he approaches the physicality of the game. But the coverage ability that he has, I think, is is first-round talent, top-notch. And I think, you know, from day one, he's going to be one of the better cover uh, free safeties in, in the NFL. So Grant Delpit to Cleveland at 41. And you got the Jags, Tommy. And I'm back on the board with the Jags. Um, got Jerry Judy and Christian Fulton so far. Still could use a an interior defensive lineman, but the the value isn't there for as much as it is for another player that I really like, and it's another safety, Ashton Davis from Cal. Uh, I'm gonna put an, another guy in this in this secondary in Jacksonville. Uh, I think he's a high floor, high character player, um, and you know I just think this is the safety run. I think this is where you're gonna see a lot of you know guys like Delpit, Ashton Davis, Antoine Winfield who you know, arguably are in that first round conversation, but they've, they've fallen in our draft. And I think these are all, you know, big needs for these teams. So Ashton Davis from Cal going to Jacksonville at 42. Connor, you have the Chicago bears, right? Yes. Uh, yes, sir. Can the GM uh, get an updated list of the needs from the intern here from the it guy? What? Interior online, Thank corner, you. safety, offensive tackle. Wide receiver. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go here with. Hmm. I'm look. I've had my pick in mind, but now I'm looking back at pick fifty, and I think he'll be there. So I think we're gonna get interesting here and go with Chase Claypool. Oh my gosh. Wow. Claypool. The Notre Dame waterfall is in full, full force. With Connor. Yep, Claypool is coming off the board here. This He's is, a Trey like replacement. That's what's coming at 50, big guy. Don't worry. Oh, I said he is the Trey Burning uh, replacement, not Kamez. But no, he's not. He's not a tight end. Anybody? I don't know how you can like act like you work for a site that you know this is the second greatest podcast and be coming out here saying this guy's a tight end. It's just pure blasphemy. Well, he's he's gonna play that burden role. I think he would. I I mean I I see the fit, but I don't think that he's a uh, an outside receiver in, in the NFL. That's just my that's just my take. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say to that. I mean, he's not going to line up and, like, block like a tight end. I mean, the guy played punt gunner. He runs a 4-4. I mean, you've everybody's seen the Calvin graphic there. I think the Bears are really looking at this guy to be sort of the next Alshon Jeffrey, like Brandon Marshall, big body type guy. I mean, those weren't guys that necessarily projected to be speedsters or anything like that. I think Claypool brings a lot there. I mean, you're looking at Rager, who I don't really love. He reminds me a lot of sort of the other TCU guy to go to the Redskins that's slipping my mind, you know. Doxon. Yeah, I mean, these names not even really worth remembering. With the way his career's gone, I don't really love him. Pittman, I talked to Adam about. Pittman, is prophecy right there is that Pittman slips. Wherever he's projected, he slips. I Why? can tell you that. Because, because, I was telling Adam, he has a YouTube channel, like, with his girlfriend, where he goes on and, like, he's, like, right after games, like, talking on it and this and that, and it just smells a lot like uh, the UCF guy, and I think teams are going to look at that and be like, you know, is this guy really focused on what's going on here, especially with this oh, disaster man. that's been going on at the USC program? I think that's Hellman. cap. I think that's pure cap. Yeah, well, you know what, yeah, you know, Connor, I'm going to cut you off there because I'm going to end my boy Michael Pittman's slide here at 44 with the Indianapolis Colts. 
I could have taken him at Go 34, ahead. but I think he's the perfect guy to pair with T.Y. Hilton. Hey, if Pittman got picked, my boy Brian Edwards was going to be here anyway. All right, but I'm, I'm rolling with Pittman, just a guy who produced throughout his whole college career. I like a YouTube channel, man. The guy's creative, you know, putting putting his brain to something, right brain. You know, he's, he's, he's uh, you know, he, he, he who cares? You know, right hey, Willie Gay's out here cheating on tests and, and stuff, and I'll just get Michael Pittman, who's just making wholesome videos with his girlfriend, and I'm not going to put too much yeah. stock into it. Easy to come in and they be a contributor day one. against them Irish. Didn't produce against them Irish when he guaranteed that win on that YouTube channel. Oh, my god! Didn't gosh. produce then. Whatever. Uh, I'm back on the clock here uh, with uh, the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and at, you know, at, at the pick at 15 – or was it 14? I think it was 14. Uh, I picked uh, I picked Cesar Ruiz to bolster that interior. I could go Isaiah Wilson uh, at the tackle position. He's my best tackle available right now. But at this point, I'm going to take the best uh, running back available in the draft, and that's DeAndre Swift. Uh, I think that he can provide a lot of stuff out of the backfield um, that, you know, frankly, Ronald Jones just hasn't been able to do. Um, I know it's a little tough to go running back here after you went Ronald Jones, what was it, two, two three years ago? Um, but... Yeah, just two two drafts prior, but uh, for me, you're in win now mode with Brady. You got to surround him with as many weapons as possible. Uh, the, the running back position is something that's just a question mark, and I think you bring in DeAndre Swift, you know, just feed him the ball for two years. Who cares how many touches he gets? This is your window. Uh, this is your Super Bowl window. Um, you know, again, I, I could have gone O line again with Isaiah Wilson. I think that this is a good spot for him with with the developmental tackle, but. At this point, DeAndre Swift was just too high on my board to, to pick him over Isaiah Wilson, despite maybe the differential and positional value. I think the Buccaneers just have this two-year window, and they got to hit as hard as possible. I think it's a re- I think it's a really solid pick, and I think they I think he can pair well with Ronald Jones. I, I like what I saw from Ronald Jones last year, but I think pass catching is surely he's nowhere near in the same class as DeAndre Swift. So. I think uh, you know your worst case scenario is DeAndre Swift is your number one running back, and you know best case scenario you got a really nice tandem. So good pick, Adam. And I guess you know maybe somewhat out of spite, I suppose I took uh, I took Kenneth Murray with the Broncos, refusing to take a receiver and surround Drew Lock uh, with weapons. But again, hey, I mean we got a guy in Garrett Bowles who just just can't quite get it done for us on, on that left side. Um, I know Isaiah Wilson played played right. I'm not really sure how this is going to work out, but I got to bring in another tackle because Garrett Bowles just isn't getting it done. And you know, at this point, Isaiah Wilson is just higher on my board than than Ezra Cleveland is, and I'm I'm just going to rip it with the the developmental guy. Wow, I mean, I I uh, I don't know what his prospects are at left tackle, but I'd be interested to see. Um, to see him try to play on the left side, I, because if they, because if that's you know an option, I think that might be part of the reason. Yeah, why I mean, honestly, so, I mean, honestly so Leah, I know we talked about this. Like, we're not the biggest tackle people. We don't know exactly what goes into it. I don't really know what goes into a guy being able to go from the right to the left. I mean, I'm sure he just played on the right because they had you know Andrew Thomas there. So it's just like, who knows what his prospects are? You know, Mackay Becton was able to play on both sides through his college career. Uh, I think the, the the I think you know the. Unless you're a veteran in the NFL, I think the transition's easier to make maybe from college to the NFL uh, in terms of, like, a guy switching a couple years into the league where it's like, all right, we can bring this guy in and really develop him. But 
ultimately, he's just the best tackle on my board, and I'm going to take him over Ezra Cleveland, a guy who seems to be only, you know, kind of a you know skill in, in pass sets from what I've read, but not exactly an all-around tackle. Where I think Isaiah Wilson just has all those physical tools that I can mold him into something that's just an all-around beast on the tackle for me. So, uh, Lee, what are you doing here with the second pick for the Falcons? Um. I went with Xavier McKinney in the first round, so we still don't have a corner, but as much as I love my boy Piedmont, I don't know if I'm necessarily considering him at this point. He's definitely in the conversation, I would say. Um, but I think there are other places you can go. This is a, this is a defense in Atlanta, I think, that um, could use some depth. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Parnell Motley here. God he's, damn it. He's the best available corner. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shy from it. He's my best available corner, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask questions later. He's the number one guy here, and uh, we bring him in the second round to pair with, with X in the secondary. I was really, Lee. I was hoping he was gonna make the 54 man. Really wanted him to be a bill. I had a whole diatribe ready. I was ready to drop an f bomb yeah. on on the Back Judge podcast for the first time in history. You really just robbed us of, a, of an entire experience, frankly, and uh, you know. I think it's only fair. I think it's only fair. I, 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 you know, I was just looking at the order, man. I just knew you were going to snag him. I mean, at least with Philly, too, at 53, <laughs> I thought that was, that was a risk. But, Absolutely. man, can you imagine Pima, no, though? Well, let's just, I mean, second round to Buffalo. It's, pairing him with Tredavious just to complete that defense. Mm. Oh, oh, baby. Absolutely, man. And this is, is this Parnell territory? You well, are you going to pose that question once we get to pick 64? Are you going to drop that Pima bomb that you've been trying to drop? The, the yap bomb, or is that is that draft this oh, morning? Oh, that's draft this morning. The, 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 All right. Are we well then? Connor's got to come on for draft this morning because he's he's got to join in on the. Yep. Connor, do you watch Pmont? No, I won't be doing anything. What's do you up? watch Pmont? Do I like? Did him? you watch him? Did you watch he's, him? Yeah, right, good, I've seen his good. film. I saw his film. I mean, I was more on at least during the season. I was always hearing about Norwood being their top guy. But I, yeah, you would. That was the one guy after our, you know, our hour and a half phone call that you were really pushing me on watching. And I thought I thought he looked pretty solid. I mean, I'm not the biggest corner dude in the world. It's not a really a position I love, as you can tell by me avoiding Okuda with the Lions. But yeah, I mean, from what I saw, I definitely am perplexed as to how he did not get a combine invite. That's for sure. More perplexed than I was with BJ Blunt. <laughs> uh, Tommy, you're you're back on board here with the Jets at 48. Yeah, Joe Douglas back on the board. Um, and as much as I would love to take Brandon Ayuk, KJ Hamler, T. Higgins, Van Jefferson, the list goes on. Um, I still am going to trust in the depth of this receiver class. And edge, I an edge rusher is still I think the the secondary biggest need on this Jets team. Um, and Josh Uche is on the board, and I think he's a perfect scheme fit. Uh, he can play that that 3-4 outside backer, uh, edge rusher. He's a fantastic athlete um, who has coverage upside, and I think this is just you know too good value for the Jets uh, to pass up. He wasn't really utilized as much at, at Michigan as perhaps he, he should have been, but everything good? Oh. And so, all right. Yeah, either way. Josh Uche, uh, he's the pick for the Jets at 48. Uh, just great, uh, great fit and uh, good talent. So, Connor, you're back on. Uh, no, Tom, or Lee is on the board here with the Zeese pick for for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, 
the Steelers, I mean, there's a couple di- different directions you can go here, but I think for me, um, as much as you want to polish up some spots on the defense, the biggest need here on, on uh, you know, the draft network is interior defensive line. I see that they, they acquired Chris Wormley, who hasn't been great since he coming in the league from Michigan, and they got a little bit of depth there. And I got my eyes on a guy in the interior defensive line that I do like a lot. But with the way the board has fallen, I will uh, I will gladly take Jonathan Taylor at this juncture. I think Jonathan Taylor, if you brought him in in Pittsburgh, would immediately be the best running back on your depth chart. Um, I think he's better than James Conner. Um, and I think that he ultimately would take a lot of pressure off the shoulders of Ben Roethlisberger coming off the injury. Um, and I think the offensive line definitely could use a little youth and, and, and help with depth. But if they're trying to hit this window, uh, I think Jonathan Taylor might be the best thing to help them do that, especially considering they already have, you know, I think they have a top five to seven defense in the league. So they really got to get better on offense in any way. Really uh, taking my yeah. dynasty stock there with uh, James Conner. Yeah. Tanks it. Uh, Connor, you're back on the board with the Bears. Did you did you tease this pick earlier by any chance? I did, but I'm actually coming off it mm. now. I'm gonna go with uh, Cushenberry. Is he available? Yes, he is. Yeah, good that's pick. The pick. Good pick. Yeah, and uh, Tom, you're back up on the board here with uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Yep, now we're taking him, Cole Komet, right here. Oh, Next boy. Jason Witten. Oh, God. Going no. to Dallas. Next Jason Witten. You heard it here first, ladies Come and gentlemen. Come on, Connor. Yep, oh. just like the Lions taking Jesse James, the Cowboys overpaid for tight end, and then they're going to compound it by taking the best one in the draft right there. Oh, God. Who's got the Rams? Jerry Jones is wasting money in Dallas. Caleb on and Komet. That's... Doesn't need. That's just, an, that's just my nightmare right there is Caleb on and Komet as the first two picks. It's a dream. It's a dream right there. I would have taken Herbert, too, if, if oh Caleb on wasn't there. It would have been Herbert. You would have got exactly what you wished for, Herbert and Komet. Connor, you're back Who's up with the Rams, the Rams man. First pick uh, for the Rams, I believe. Yes, yes, the Rams. This is, I think they were one of my last picks in the round, I believe. And we're going to go here and take the replacement for Todd Gurley, and we're going to go, yeah, Dobbins the pick. Mm. We're here in the second round with the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, kind of got to go receiver here, I think. I, I think their depth chart calls for it. I don't know how much football Alshon, jo- Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson will be playing next year, um, just based on age, um, injury history, and all things considered, contract, everything. Um, and I don't think the receiver depth is very good at all. Ortega Whiteside has been a huge disappointment since his drafting a couple years ago, or last year, sorry. Last year, um, he had a really awful rookie campaign. So you got to bring a guy in who's going to – I think you got to bring the most pro-ready receiver in at this juncture of the draft. And, and to me, that's T. Higgins from Clemson. Yeah, I think he's a guy who can stick on the outside there for Philly. And I feel like a broken record here, but correct me if I'm wrong, y'all. I think this is a player you bring in, and he's your best receiver day one um, coming into Philly. So uh, you, I think you also give yourself the, – the chin pick in the first round in my eyes – gives me the ability to comfortably take a receiver because of the way he fills linebacker. Because um, I was browsing linebackers here, but I was thinking, hey, well, I got chin, so let's just focus on receiver here and, and, and get the most pro-ready one, and that was T. Yeah, and that leads me with the, you know some, some tough decisions to make here with, with the Buffalo Bills, and I was really, really eyeing uh, uh, Parnell Motley with this pick. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that's not there, and uh, I mean, from the corners that are there, 
don't really love uh, love my options either. So, I mean, maybe this is this is an odd pick, but I'm just kind of going with um, you know who, who this is the best player kind of on my board at this point in the position of need and. I'm going Marlon Davidson from from Auburn. I know you you drafted um, uh, you know at Oliver last year, but to me, Marlon Davidson is is a player who uh, can can provide you some rush off the edge, rush off the inside, and I mean I, I know you have Jerry Hughes, who I think is is a little bit older, so I know he's more of you know a pure edge, but uh, he's my best player available at this point. Unfortunately, there's no corners that I really love here at, at 54 since Piedmont got got stolen from me, so. Uh, Marlon Davis is still is still a great pick, just adding to that defense for, for the like Buffalo Bills. He can play edge, too, which I like. Tommy, you're up. Baltimore. Yep. I'm on the board with Baltimore at 55, and it's time to, it's time to make a luxury pick. And we're bringing in that boy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, into Baltimore to kind of give another another back to rotate in with Mark Ingram and, and kind of either push out Justice Hill or, or Gus Edwards, one of them. Um, and I think, you know, what Edwards Hilaire can do in, in the passing game for Lamar Jackson in terms of, you know, the short style uh, check down stuff that Lamar likes to do and, and also in the running game paired with a guy like Mark Ingram. Uh, not the necessarily the best for my, for my dynasty stock with Mark Ingram, but I think Edwards Hilaire, uh, you get a running back for the future who just fits that Ravens culture. And bringing in two LSU guys so far, and Patrick Keen and Clyde, Words, Clyde Edwards-Elair, I think is just a, a home run draft for Baltimore. I want to say something. Let me hear it. About, about this pick. I, do, I think it's a great uh, fit, but I will say that there's a screaming need on the inside of that offensive line. I got one more. I got one more, Lee. Has a, you got another? Okay, okay. I got another pick, forgive buddy. Me. We're good. Forgive me. Forgive you're good. Me. You're good. Yep. So let's uh, let's bring it to the Miami Dolphins. Their last pick of five, and you know I think there's a couple ways that they could go here. I've addressed quarterback. I've addressed offensive tackle. I have addressed safety. Um, I've addressed wide receiver with C.D. Lamb, which was a great pick there at 18. Um, and ultimately, Lee, I could go Jonathan Taylor. I know this is one of your boys, but I'm going to go with one of our boys at the linebacker position, and that's Malik Harrison here at 56, making him a second round player. Beautiful. I already picked JT too with uh, with Pittsburgh. Oh, that's right. Yes, I knew that. But you know, he's still on, he's still on, he's still on our uh, you know national board here. Oh yeah, yeah. Malik Harrison, um, I think, is a guy who, um, not not great in coverage, but great complementary piece to Chase Young at Ohio State, and a sure tackler who is extremely fundamental, and I think can have a long NFL career. Um, and in Miami, Flores would love to get his hands on that guy. Connor, you're back with the Rams. Yep. Let me make the transition here. I was getting deep in the board. See if I was missing anything here. Hmm. This pick is very intriguing to me because I just want Dobbins here. So it's interesting about thinking about sort of skill position guys here at this point in the draft. But I think here, if I'm not mistaken, we got a corner from Auburn available here. Yeah. Yeah. He is the pick. I've got him lost. I'm on interior no line. I know his name's extremely hard to pronounce, but yep, yep, Noah Egg. Yeah, I know I, that last name always kills me and probably will, but he's the pick. Lee, you and I are, are in lockstep here. That Egg's a day three guy, right? Yeah, I agree. Yep. I don't think uh, I don't think Egg is the pick in this spot, but I can understand why Connor and a lot of other people um, would see value in him in, in the late second round. 
um, especially considering, you know, we've heard people talk about him as high as the first round. So I don't necessarily think he will get drafted in the first round, but I think to get him late on day two, um, I personally wouldn't make the pick. But if you think that's your guy, um, a lot of people think it's valuable, you know. Yeah, and I'm going to, uh, with, with my last pick of this mock, sayonara, everybody. Um, after taking C.J. Henderson and A.J. Terrell, both two corners in the first round, I'm thrilled that Brandon Ayuk has fallen to me here in, in the second round. And yep. uh, I'm just going to snag it and take him here. Again, Brian Edwards would be a close second, but just in terms of what um, you know, Ayuk can bring you know, compared to what uh, Thielen can bring, I, maybe, I just like that pairing a little bit better just in terms of explosiveness. Um, and I'm taking Ayuk, and I guess just maybe you know maybe comparing this draft to to the real draft that's going to happen in just a few days. Uh, do you guys see Ayuk falling out of the top fifty? Uh, I, I don't. A, I have a hard time seeing that. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing that. I don't. I might be the highest on Ayuk out of out of all you guys, and he probably would have been. Maybe you know if I was doing a two round mock, he would have been gone before this. But I mean it. We don't know though, guys, because we've we've seen that. I feel like all these teams just have different receiver boards and different corner boards. It kind of just comes down to what you value. Um, and just to kind of talk about the Ayuk pick to Minnesota, I, he's a guy who reminded me a lot of Stephon Diggs in college, uh, and I kind of see him as a Stephon Diggs. That's kind of his ceiling. So I think this would be awesome value for the Vikings if they were able to, you know, replace that level of production eventually in, in round two. Um, and now we have the Seattle Seahawks on the on the clock here. Um, and I went with Etor Grossmatos in the first round. So cruising the board. And you here. got two picks here in the last uh, in the last five yeah, or I last got, six. I, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I got yeah. I closed out the draft at sixty four. So I got a pick and five picks. Um, I am going to. I'm going to continue to address the defense here. Um. And I'm going to take Troy Dye, the linebacker out of Oregon, mm-hmm. um, a rangy linebacker who I think uh, who would fit really well in the Seattle defense. Definitely more of a coverage guy. I think you can make an argument outside of Simmons that he's the best coverage linebacker in this draft. Um, and I think his downhill game is still developing, but I think the future is pretty bright for him. Keep him in the, in the Pacific Northwest. Pete Carroll get his hands on him. I think... I think he could do some exciting things with the Seahawks and, and actually would fit really well in on this defense. Troy Dye out of Oregon. Good pickly. And I am back on the board for my... F- this is an obvious pick, Tom. My, I'm, I'm, I'm going to roast you if you it, pick this guy. And <laughs> it should be Natani Muti. That's oh, who I, I should be picking here. But there's a certain player that's fallen that is a perfect fit and is another luxury pick of sorts, and that's K.J. Hamler. K.J. Hamler, in this offense in Baltimore, he runs the way that he can attack the middle of the field and from the slot, I think, is just purely Lamar Jackson's strengths. He doesn't, Lamar isn't going to dot it up on the sideline and and towards, you know, he's he's not going to go sideline on the side, throw on the sidelines. He's going to want to attack the middle of the field. Uh, And you get a guy with K.J. Hamler, you can pair with Marquise Brown, and you've got Miles Boykin as kind of your red zone, bigger target possession guy. Willie Sneed's going to be a UFA after this year, and you can address guard, which is definitely a more pressing need in the third round, in my opinion. Um, and the fact that KJ Hamler is here, it's just too much offensive firepower uh, to pass up. I mean, this is your window. This is a team who had a very impressive year last year, but should still be hungry after that disappointing loss to Tennessee. And KJ Hamler is just too good of a player I for me to pass up at 60. Pick. What about Hollywood Brown? Isn't he your slot guy? Yeah, he is, but I think, as I said with Lamar, just to just go get A B. 
You're go, get, not... go get the uncle or cousin or whoever the hell he is to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, if the Ravens are comfortable doing that, that's that's fine. But I can't assume that they're going to bring in AB. That's fair. And and Hamler should be gone by now, in my opinion. So I think it's a, I just think it's a, a really perfect fit for them. And they they got this trade from Atlanta. Um, and you can get a guard in the third round. I think. I mean, look at us. We all of the you know. There's a lot of guards on on the board right now. We haven't really attacked guards, so. I think um, I think this is a luxury pick that Baltimore can afford to make. Um, on to Tennessee. I'm looking at a guy in Zach Moss right now, um, who who I think would be a really good pick for this team as a complimentary back to Derrick Henry, seeing as David Fruellen is their backup running back. But the way the board has fallen right now, I think I think I'm going to I think I might add a little bit more to this defense. Um, so I got Epineza already. Sorry, boys. Okay. Little little deep deep round two. You know, you gotta hey. you gotta make sure you're crossing your T's. And Takes the pros eyes. fifteen minutes, so we're well ahead of schedule. Yeah. That's for sure. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take Clutch Boy here. I'm gonna take Mike Ojemudia out of Iowa. Hello. I, I was think, hoping he was gonna sneak in here. Yeah, I think this is a guy who is. We may see see him go day or uh, round three, but I think he's a round a late round two player who physical chippy. To to quote my high school coach, plays for the H on his helmet. Played played Mike Ojemudia back in our playing days, Klopp and I bet. And uh, the kid the kid was absolutely electric. Obviously transferred over to his days at Iowa, and I think he'd be a great complimentary fit in Tennessee, considering they already have Adderry Jackson and Malcolm Butler. But the depth behind those two guys isn't necessarily great. And I don't think those two guys themselves are, are either of them are a bona fide cornerback one at this point. I think those guys are both kind of high to mid end cornerback twos. Um, so I, I think Michael Jamu is a guy you can bring in and, and, and solidify the uh, that cornerback room a little bit more. All right, I'm gonna end here with Green Bay, and I'm gonna go with uh, Neville Gallimore. Oh man, he's gone. He's off the board. He's off the board. Yeah, he's gone. gone. Oh boy. Then we gotta look at. <laughs> Surprising that it took him for the first time at 62, but way gone. Yeah, well, we'll go. We'll go with Raekwon. I don't think that's a too bad. Raekwon Davis. Oh, this is a touchy subject. Yeah, well, that's what time. I'm here for. That's what I mean. I haven't been on here and in the blood. So Shot that's himself what I'm here for. Out of a bar during the McGregor uh, the McGregor fight. What about him? The McGregor Mayweather fight. Shot himself. Yeah, that well, night. you know, Plax Cabrera did that too. Yeah, it happens from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> I think he'll fit right in nicely in Green Bay. Then that's exactly the type of guy they're looking for on that defense. The Packers have always been kind of an organization I've not had a lot of love for, so I wouldn't be mind. I wouldn't mind if Raekwon ends up there, but I think he fits the need. I think they really need kind of a big time guy, especially with the Lions kind of establishing being a running the football team. The Vikings as well with Dalvin Cook, and then I can't imagine the Bears are going to be airing it out a ton with Nick Foles necessarily. So I think they really need to kind of shore up their run defense. I think Raekwon kind of does that. I mean, he's one of those interior guys from Bama, like you know Quinn Williams before him and Ashawn in Detroit, who you know be missed for sure definitely the poster inside of adam's apartment there will for sure be missed but uh they're one of those big body guys that i think really shore up that interior of the d-line so i think it that him and lavisca i'm definitely happy is a green bay packer fan getting those two tommy and lee why don't you just finish this up here with the chiefs and seahawks so we can bring on this man john dolan to critique us here 
Most definitely. Uh, this this pick, I think, is going to be no surprise to, to Lee and, and maybe Adam as well, but I'm going to take Zach Moss here. He's a guy who I compared to Kareem Hunt, um, and I think he just his skill set perfectly fits uh, what this Kansas City Chiefs want to want to do on offense. Um, you know, high floor player, might not have the same ceiling as a guy like Cam Akers, who I really like, who's still on the board, but um, I think he's just a little bit better fit for this, for this offense right now and uh, would further, you know, just keep Kansas City in a win-down mode and, and keep this offense humming. So Zach Moss is the pick at 63 for me. Running back, Utah. Um, love the pick, Tommy. This is an interesting spot for me in Seattle here because I'm eyeballing. I, I, I fixed up. There's a guy on defense that I want, but I've admitted to myself now I've, I've addressed the defense enough here, and I'm going to address the offensive line. Um, and I'm eyeballing my boy Matthew Pert. Um, out of out of University of Connecticut, but you see a guy like Jonah Jackson out of Ohio State slip all the way to the end of the second round, and I know that the tackle position may be a bit more of a need for the uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, but I think Jonah Jackson is a better prospect than Pert, so I'm at a bit of a crux here. Pete Carroll, I'm, I'm gambling down in that bubble gum. I'm at, I'm at a bit of a crux, um, and I, I'm going to go and I'm going to take Jonah Jackson here. I think that Jonah Jackson's a, a surefire. Um, top two-round player that I don't think they will regret drafting whatsoever as opposed to Pert. Maybe a little bit uh, more developmental and uh, work with him a little bit more. Joan Jackson, more of a plug-and-play guy. If, if, D, if Fluker isn't showing up and in, in, uh, in, in, in mashing heads you know, on a regular basis, they can stick Joan Jackson in there. Perfect. That's two rounds, boys. That's 64 picks. Coming to you next, the, the, a quick, uh, you know, we're waiting for him to pop online, but uh, John Dolan in the cut, coming to you soon. All right, it's the uh, post-mock draft po- you know, conference here with, with John Dolan, the, the other member of the Back Judge podcast. Hey, you know, Dolan, we're getting into Rogan territory with, the, with this podcast length, you know, so let's just you know, try and recap it the best you can. I know it was a little sporadic what I was sending you, but just some of your takeaways from this mock draft, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, um... Basically, just looking at the mock draft, I already I already know that I'm not ready for Thursday because we've been you know looking a lot into this draft and we've all been camped out by our computers on the draft network doing different uh, mock drafts for every kind of uh, scenario there could possibly be. And my mind, when I just saw something that you know wasn't exactly how I thought it was going to, you know, the draft was going to fold out the way it's been going in my mock drafts. When I saw something, my mind just, you know, exploded. I was like, oh my God, how could that be the pick there? So uh, I'm really, you know, just my first glance when looking at it and I was seeing things that, you know, haven't been the same when I've been doing drafts for um, since January. Um, I'm, there's going to be a lot of chaos on Thursday. And um, I, I like to call this the Bob Quinn drafts. People are going to be taking their guys, you know, people are just going to be reaching on, um, whether it's best player available or position of need, people are going to be taking guys that um, they maybe you know not everyone agrees on. There's not the group think of all the GMs having the opportunities to talk with each other um, at pro days or whatever it might be, um, like there are in previous uh, years classes. So um, I need to start preparing myself for the chaos a little bit more because like when I first saw that Herbert wasn't getting taken at sixth, uh, I was incredibly rattled you know that just had me shook to my core because for the past you know few months I've just pretty much thought of it as a given um, that Herbert's going to be you know like two is going to go five and Herbert's going to be off the board at six 
Um, so I, I really just need to prepare for, you know, there, there are going to be some shockers on Thursday. And I, I was kind of going chalk mode a lot into the, in this draft. But um, I think I, I'm ready for kind of, you know, some stunning, maybe some trade-ups and some reaches to come. But first, I, I just kind of want to know why Herbert wasn't taken at six. Because, um, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not – Okuda, I've shifted more to the Isaiah at three um, perspective since I last talked to Flap, so it was nice to see him get taken at three. Um, but uh, just why pass? Yeah, so that was my pick. So that was the big pass there. Was it six? Yeah. That's why we were even saying, like, before, I know you haven't had a chance to, like, listen to the podcast. I mean, we were talking, like, before, that, that might be the most pivotal pick in the entire draft because yeah. that just kind of determined how the dominoes were going to start falling. I think for me, it's kind of just the Chargers GM's comments. I mean, I'm looking at it as if I'm the GM, like, taking their place as of, like, this moment. And to me, he kind of was sticking by Taylor. I felt like the way that these guys have been talking, that there would be a guy, like, I was pretty confident that, like, Love was going to be there in the second for the Chargers. And I felt to me, like, if if you're going to go get your guy in Tua, like, you would trade and move up and do that. Like, I really don't, like, I mean, none of us really seem to, like, love Herbert here. I mean, Tommy was the most high up on Herbert and has since walked way back on that. I mean, he slipped all the way down into the 20s. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's moonwalking way back. So... Oh, yeah, awesome. I figured that there would be a guy like that there late for the Chargers to get. And to me, like, the drop-off between Herbert and Tua is big, and I kind of wanted it to reflect that in my draft. Yeah, um, for me, for some, I, I'm a huge Herbert fan. Um, and for me, for some reason in this draft, um, I enjoy just watching, you know, rooting for kind of the question mark QBs a little bit more than, um, you know, Burrow and Tua, they were the two literally statistically the most efficient passers college football has ever seen. Um, I think that they have incredibly high floors and um, they're going to be, you know, perennial Pro Bowl quarterbacks probably. Tua maybe is going to be in a better situation than Burrow is. Uh, obviously, I love what Flores is cooking down in Miami. But I love Herbert. Um, I think if you were to create a quarterback in a lab, um, he would have the same mentality as that guy. He would have the same intangibles as that guy. Um, there are some knocks on him. Some of his, his ball placement can be sporadic. Um, he sort of um, excels in the system. He, he's such a good kid, such a, a hardworking kid that he's going to do exactly what the coach tells him to. Sometimes to a fault, he's not the best you know, improvisational quarterback there is. But I think he's a guy who's he's literally the polar opposite of uh, the quarterback you just had for the past 15 or so years and Phillip Rivers. Um, he's incredibly mobile, especially when you consider that he's 6'6", 240, um, has the, a regular throwing motion that doesn't look like, you know, a Tyrannosaurus Rex like Phillip Rivers did. Um, and at the same time, you take Okuda. Um, they just signed Chris Harris, um, and I think that they even have a pretty deep uh, secondary, not as much the other safety spot um, opposite Derwin James, but um, Desmond King's a good corner, and Casey Hayward was at one point um, one of the leaders in interceptions in the NFL. Um, Okuda is obviously he's one of the safest, most solid uh, players in this draft, and I think it's guaranteed that he's going to be at a certain level, but I would have probably liked to see Okuda uh, more at pick seven for Carolina so they could kind of finally get that corner that they've been looking for for a while since um, Norman fell off and went to Washington. 
Um, but I, I just don't know if I see corner as so much of a pressing need that um, you skip on a guy who maybe has the highest upside in the entire uh, draft class. And Dolan, I want to throw uh, three rapid-fire questions at you if you're ready for it. So uh, just in, in terms right, of what yeah, this, how this best. draft went, I just think there's three kind of you know, more notable points. Uh, number four, Mekhi Becton, first offensive and tackle off the board off the Gi- to the Giants. What do you think of that? Uh-huh. Um, I am, I kind of, when I saw that, uh, I, I sort of agreed with it and I've gone back and forth, um, on which of these tackles is kind of the best. And, you know, I, obviously I'm not an O-line expert. Um, but, uh, I think Becton, uh, he did have that diluted sample or whatever he had. He had a, a little bit of a, a run in with the drugs recently, but I don't think that'll scare too many teams away. Because um, he pulled a Zach Bond and kind of came out and uh, told everyone about it before the news was released. Um, but he's, you know, 6'7", like 380 pounds, whatever it is. And he kind of just moves in ways that men that size aren't supposed to move. Um, and uh, I, for a long time, I was kind of big on Trist- Tristan Wirfs uh, being the best tackle um, in this draft. Uh, kind of, you know, for a while it was because of his upside. He's not as much of a Jedrick Wills and Andrew Thomas are, you know, very polished prospects, um, but they don't have that kind of athletic upside for a big men that those two have. But um, I, I went back and watched some more Wirfs film. Um, he could make Wirfs could maybe be a guy who plays better at guard uh, than he does tackle. Um, he sort of struggled on like those big, you know, backpedaling uh, pass plays where the quarterback needs to drop back, you know, maybe five steps, seven steps, and throw it deep. Um, so Works may be a guy who ends up playing guard, and I think if you're taking a, a, an offensive lineman at pick four, um, you need a guy who's going to play left tackle guaranteed, and I think that's uh, Mikai Becton is a guaranteed yeah. franchise left tackle with all those tools. So I, I love that. Um, pick, ne- next point of the draft here, number 45 overall, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they went and got an interior lineman in the, in the first round. This was, I guess, you know, kind of my my GMing. But but uh, yeah. at 45, they got DeAndre Swift running back from Georgia, and that was the first running back off the board. So I guess just for you, you know, do you see DeAndre Swift as, you know, the first running back off the board in the draft? Aaron, do you see one going round one? Because we didn't pick one until the middle of round two. I think that there's probably going to be a running back taken uh, in the first round. And kind of what I said earlier to allude to that, how the Bob Quinn draft, people are going to take their guys. I think if you get to, you know, late round one, maybe even mid round one, um, we're going to see some teams trade up and try to get um, one of these running backs. Cause I absolutely love this running back class. Um, DeAndre, so I'm not as high on Edwards Elaire as uh, you know, the Murray brothers were, um, He's, he's a little too small for my liking, and I, I can't say anything bad about the mentality of any of these running backs because all these guys love contact. They're all absolute workhorses, but um, in terms of the top four of Dobbins, uh, Taylor, Swift, and uh, CEH, I think um, Edwards Elaire's size is maybe going to be a detriment to him. But I, I think that um, this uh, running back is not, obviously not a very valued position, but I think that this is a really good running back class, and I, I'd almost you know be positive that one of those guys is going to get taken in the first round, whether it's maybe by uh, uh, Kansas City at pick 32. Um, Damian Williams is still on a really good contract, so they could probably keep him another year. But, um, you know, 
no uh, worries and with the salary cap issues they have no reason not to lock down one of these stud workhorses for four years on a cheap deal um so i i I think that there probably will uh be a running back taken in the first round and deandre swift i don't know if he would be my number one on the board it's really close between him and um jonathan taylor for me and i'm also a huge fan of dobbins even though he went to ohio state but um deandre swift probably is the most all-around um kind of just pretty much every carry you see him get He's getting, you know, six yards and seven yards, then eight. Then he, you know, gashes him for 20 and breaks tackles. Um, he, he's a north and south guy who makes really good cuts. So um, I, I like him being uh, the first uh, running back taken um, over someone like Clyde, but I, I think he goes in the first round. And uh, I guess lastly, before maybe I open up to, to Tommy and Connor for any questions they might have, that boy Parnell Motley going top 50, number 47 to the Atlanta Falcons. What you got to say about that, John Dolan? I, I just, uh, any, anybody who gets, you know, the no combine uh, invite, say less article written about them, um, that's a top 50 talent in any draft. Um, but I, I, uh, I I'm gonna have to go with I, I'd be abs- I'll take a lick <laughs> drafted in the uh, uh, second round. That would be a little, little preview for the draft this morning. Yeah. Licks and yaps podcast. Yeah, that that would be absolutely stunning. I, I I would be shocked to see him get picks in the second round. Um, but there's a difference between me being shocked and it being a bad pick, and it wouldn't be a bad pick. I mean that that might end up being. Um, you know, the best move the Falcons make all offseason, uh, no disrespect to Todd Gurley, but um, he, uh, I, I had to go and take a look at him, especially when, you know, I, I think the same thing, maybe this is how Lee found him and kind of fell in love with him. Uh, you just watch the Denzel Mims uh, tape and you're like, oh, like, you know, the, the first half of the game versus Oklahoma, he's absolutely going off. And then um, all of a sudden, it's just him running, you know, a bunch of backside hitches, not getting the ball thrown to him, and you're like, "What's changed?" And it's because Parnell was at corner. Um, he has ideal size, and he's actually pretty fast. So some of these guys is just head scratchers. You don't really understand why they're not getting. I don't know how Brian Malone. <laughs> yeah. uh, Connor and Tommy, just any questions you might have for for Mr. Dolan? Fire off some takes here about just how the mock draft went in general. Connor, take the floor. I'm still uh, I'm still festering some takes. Yeah, I think like, hmm, that's. Uh, we could. I, I, I'm. I'm a little interested. In, I, I know, C. Ry, were you? Did you take three Notre Dame players? Four. There was a little bit of run of, of Golden Domers in the second there round. Two of my picks in a row. Two of my picks in a row were ND, and then one, yeah. well, a third one went. Yeah, I took uh, Aquaro to the Lions as the first one to go. I had seen him kind of getting close to first round in some of the mocks that have been coming up recently. I really had to solve, yeah, I mean, I had to yeah, solve the pass rush right issue for me. I mean, that, at least for me watching Lions football, I just could not stand them getting just mm-hmm. the lack of getting after the passer, especially if Patricia refuses to blitz. So to me, had to get a pass rusher there. I kind of was, I was mm-hmm. talking on the podcast, like I was thinking Bond, but I'd already taken Simmons. So I don't really want to throw Jared Davis totally, yeah. you know, out at this point. And then Del Pitt, I was thinking about, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah, I just couldn't do it with the pass rushing issues that needed to be there. I felt it was a bigger need. Um, yeah, I like Delp. Yeah, I mean his his the knock on him is tackling, but he had the shoulder injury. It doesn't really bother me. Uh, I, I also I'm an Okwara fan, but I'm gonna kind of need yeah. you to sell me on him at 35 because I didn't necessarily love that. 
what kind of role do you think he plays uh, in the Lions' uh, defense? Is he like a Devon Kennard type? Because they need the guy who can play that. And I, I don't know if Okwara is a – he's a little bit of a tweener. Like he um, likes to be in the standing rush and not in a, a three-point – but I don't know if he can necessarily play like outside backer and kind of have to cover some pass routes. Yeah, I definitely don't see him as an outside backer, at least from what he did at ND, which you never really know because they did some weird stuff with Jalen Smith even at ND that the Cowboys have kind of switched up with moving him to outside. So that doesn't necessarily always translate to the pros. I think with Okora, what you're getting out of him is you're just getting at least a guy that's going to be guaranteed a lead against the pass. You've guaranteed even, like I would say, around 10 to 13 range of being drafted in terms of the pass rushing against the run. He's not going to be so great, but you have the elite length. And I think it just solves a massive issue. The lions have. And I mean, if they have to double team him on like the third and eight, you know, situation, and you're going to leave flowers open one V one or Collins, I think that really changes a game changer for the lions defense as a whole, especially if you can also just send Simmons flying up somewhere. I think it makes a, Big difference for them. I mean, his length is elite. That's what I really love about him. And, I mean, I was thinking to myself, like, thinking about the Lions taking Aquara is like, you know, there will probably be an illegal hands-to-the-face call at some point, or, you know, he grabs Roger's face mask (laughs) the wrong way. But he'll definitely be getting after some of the passers. I mean, Nick Foles, he knows him. And don't want to hop on the the Aquara train, I I suppose, if Connor's going to convince me. You already got Danny Shelton and Tavai to shut down that run. So, you know, 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 why why do you need your defensive end to do that? Tommy Murray, any questions for Dolan here? Yeah, I mean, I just, I guess, I guess I, I'd like a little bit more of Dolan's input on on the draft overall. Anything that sticks out to him, I mean, I don't know. I'd be down to kind of, um, you know, just point out. I guess you know we talked about the Lions. That was probably the most. I mean, we can talk about. We don't really even need to talk about the Cowboys too, because I see Connor's logic. No, talk about it. Talk about it. No, talk, no, we, uh, we don't need to go down anything. I want to yeah. Tom, make Tommy feel good. He's okay. he's like he's Adam when the Lions took Ragnow right now. He's just like stunned. <laughs> Well, I love the Chase on pick. Um, I, I think Chase on is uh, the only thing that concerns me is like I, I'm always a fan of these tweener guys who wear you know uh, the numbers that defensive linemen shouldn't be wearing <laughs> in college, like the Vic Beasleys, the Dante Fowlers. But it doesn't always necessarily you know translate to the pros. This is a guy he has an unbelievable you know rip move around the edge. He's so athletic, and he he's got just freaky fast twitch hand moves. But um, it's just the history of those guys working out in the NFL. It isn't great, so that's the only thing that concerns me about Chase on uh, to the Cowboys a little bit. But that's where I mocked him was uh, at seventeen. Perfect. Boys, so, yeah, uh, I guess it's just I, the I lack of. Um, I think the corner. I mean, there was still you know Fulton's on the board, Terrell's on the board, Henderson's on the board, uh, Arnett's on the board, and those are all guys that I think yeah. I'd. I'd rather have over Chase on. I mean, it's definitely a need, but I think I personally would take Yeeter or Tapanesa before Chase on. Okay, that's that's what I was gonna I was gonna ask you, Tommy, just to put you on the spot, I I guess, for seventeen, like just just one pick, just give it. Like, what do you like? Ideal dream scenario for the Cowboys at seventeen? Jeff Gladney. Gladney. I want it to be Gladney. That's fair enough. I. I appreciate that, and so or Caesar Ruiz. Dolan, I would take either of your picks. Or Caesar Ruiz. Yeah, yeah. It's actually I, I was looking at Ruiz as a guy to the Cowboys, but. Uh, uh, Dolan, as we look yeah, back onto this mock draft, as we get into the two-hour territory of the, of this this loaded loaded podcast of draft takes, uh, let's let's just let's just wrap it up here and and just I give me it. just overall thoughts on the mock. Anything you want to say about the draft? It really, Dolan, the floor is yours. The floor is yours. 
I love it. Well, the the first thing I'm just gonna say about the draft as a whole is, you know, it it, it was it's been hard for me to when I'm looking at film scouting guys. Sometimes it's hard to come up with negatives for some of these people. Um, this is a really talented class, um, and kind of at different positions than we maybe saw last year. Last year was a very you know on the edge uh, defensive end based draft. Um, this year we we got guys at skills position. Skill positions are amazing and. Um, uh, to kind of segue into something about the uh, mock draft that you guys did, I feel like you guys aren't necessarily um, drinking the wide receiver Kool-Aid like a lot of other people are. Um, I've, in my mocks when I've been doing it, I've kind of had all three of the top guys going top 15. I've, I've had sleepless nights trying to decide over who's better out of the three, Lamb, Ruggs, or Judy. Um, so the point where even just before this podcast, I like changed my rankings and I, I'm, I think Judy may be the guy now. Um, uh, what's up with the um, kind of lack of uh, wide receiver picks sort of like in the first half of the first round and kind of like the first round in general? I know Denzel Mims um, and LaVisca uh, went towards the tail end, but I really just don't see... Um, yeah, hey, I don't. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for like Connor and Tommy here, but I think with who was just so deep, I felt I, at least when I was picking, I just felt other positions took precedent. Yeah, definitely. I could agree with that. And I probably, I mean, Dolan, if this was my mock, there would be I would probably have the receivers going. And I mean, it's something. I mean, I think Klep, Klep, you know, is is taking a Klep stand and making a point by going Kenneth Murray and Isaiah Wilson with the Broncos. But I still think that. You know, I know. The, I, I'll tell me I'll level with you there. I know receivers a little, you know, tough there and endeavor, well, but Patrick. But it's even, you know, I, I still think, you know, the linebackers in need. Right now you got Josie Jewell and, you know, whoever the other guy is is your inside yep. linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Davis, I, mean, I, I believe, is there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I, you know, Dolan, I'm with you. I think, you know, Denver and Oakland would be spots for me where I'd probably slot in a a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And obviously another thing too, um, was there's, you know, there's, there's no trades in this mock. So you're kind of in a lot of positions where you're not going to be, you know, a team, you know, like Philly or example, for example, or, you know, even Minnesota, if they wanted to get greedy and trade up, uh, they can't do that. So, uh, you know, I think for the most part, the guys went. I mean, Lee was able to get Kinlaw and, and Rugs, you know, and CD fell to eighteen. But and Connor almost picked him with with the Cowboys. But I, I do think you know for the most part that you know, this is like Klepp said, this is a super deep receiver class, and we had a bunch of you know fringe first round guys going in the second round. So I think that you know it's we're going to see that type of variance on draft day as well too. If the Raiders get. Kinlaw and Henry Ruggs, that's a franchise-changing haul in the first round. That would be unbelievable. Yeah, here, Dolan, how about how about this? To put you on the spot, if we can, what if you could have, you know, maybe like two picks for your favorite two picks and, and you know, and, and two picks maybe for your least favorite classes. You know, I don't know if you could oh, quickly go that. through. Were there anything that, that stuck them. out to Rip you? Rip them, Dolan, off the top. Yeah. Let's just, yeah. Um, there was, Take your time. Uh, I, I got the uh, um, history right here that I'm looking at. Um, I thought uh, the, the, the Herbert one was a head-scratcher for me, and I know C-Rye really lucked out having Love kind of fall the 37. Um, and and I, I've kind of been in the quarantine brain um, talking to myself into Jordan Love. Uh, the thing I've been repeating to myself is just he passes the eye test. Jordan Love passes the eye test. Just look at him back there, you know, staying cool and slinging the ball all over the field. 
sometimes very actually very often to the other team, but um, he's got all the tools. So I, I think that that uh, Jordan Love picking him at thirty seven um, for C Rye that was uh, pick of the draft absolutely saved himself there. Um, other picks that I think Malik Harrison was taken maybe a little bit too early. Malik Harrison sort of got that those. was a love pick. That was a love pick. Yeah, and Malik Harrison's fair kind enough. Of the, He's kind of that. He's like, a thumper. Uh, he, yeah, I thought I was going to say that throwback uh, Trey Lamar, Jelani Tavai type player. Trey um, Lamar. Yeah, Trey Lamar, uh, Lions legend on the practice squad. Um, I love the Jeremy Chin pick. Um, I, was that Lee who was picking for? Yeah. That was Lee. Was, yep. Lee um, took I Chin. I think like, this is another uh, one of those. Um, one of those, uh, like, you guys maybe valuing the wide receiver a little bit less than I would have because um, uh, I think the Eagles are uh, in desperate need for pass catchers. Um, but uh, Jeremy Chin is, I said earlier, he's Isaiah Simmons light. Uh, you know, he's like 6'3", 220, uh, ran a 4'4". Four, four. I, I could really see him. Uh, he, I guess his weight is a little low for a linebacker, but I, I could maybe see him playing linebacker in the pros. He's just such a rare um, athlete. And um, I think getting worse at 11 for the Jets, would uh, that was a good pick for them too because I, that's another team where I've gone back and forth with on receiver. But um, I think priority number one is kind of taking care of Sam Darnold and making sure that um, he stands upright. And while I don't, I'm not looking forward to him having uh, – I guess he's on my fantasy team, so I am my dynasty. Brashad Perriman is the only – um, receiver the Jets kind of have right now, but if they can maybe, I'm not positive where Hamler went, but uh, if they could kind of get Hamler in the um, second round or um, Claypool or Pittman or something like that, that'll be um, a good pick. So I really liked Worfs uh, to the Jets. Those were the ones that kind of stuck out to me just from looking at it uh, at the beginning. I don't know about I don't know about Judy to the Jags either. I'm kind of thinking the Jags might be in like tank mode and. Um, well, that. If if I may, Tommy wasn't gonna go QB there. He made yeah, that very yeah, clear. I, well, they shouldn't. My whole thinking with Judy, just to you know, recapsulate that real quick, was just that I think they are in you know tank mode for whatever that is, and I think Judy would kind of be the tank pick, just because mm-hmm. I mean it's kind of would be either him or Kinlaw to me, or I mean, yeah, uh, supposedly they like CJ CJ Henderson. Supposedly is gonna be a top ten pick, so I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina mm-hmm. or Jacksonville really valued CJ Henderson at that spot. But Judy mm-hmm. for me, just to you know, I just think if if Minshew's your guy or if Trevor Lawrence is your guy, you're going to need a number one receiver. And yeah. I think DJ Chark is a really good number two deep threat. But I think Judy can kind of do all of the more nuanced work that a number one receiver does. And that's kind of was it was my pick. It was a pick for this year for Minshew. But if he's not your guy, it's a pick for going forward uh, with whoever your franchise quarterback is. Yeah, and I like the reasoning behind that. I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe since there's this is a rebuild sort of tank draft for lack of a better term, maybe they pick a. You know, more foundational position, like, you know, offensive tackle, defensive line or something, just a more meaningful position. But, you know, you're right. Mm-hmm. No matter who you're – if your guy ends up being Trevor Lawrence, he's going to need a number one receiver. So the Judy pick could be a good one. Yep. Connor, I got to say, man, uh, yep. love, we'll love the WMU sweater. It's a, it's a real <laughs> yeah, classic sure. piece. Is that yeah. a Dan Ryan special? It's uh, Jack oh, Ryan holy Senior. Yeah, yeah. Very, the OG, yeah. the OG MD Ryan. Exactly. Don, uh, you know, yeah. while I got here, and as as we wrap this thing up, buddy, do I uh, do I have you confirmed for the the Yaps and Licks podcast draft this morning? 
Yes, I have my, uh, I got my sales uh, exam, my final exam. Uh, it's at noon, and then I'm free uh, any other time besides that. Absolutely, brother. Beautiful. Any, any, uh, Tommy, Connor, any, any last points here before we give, give old, I, old Dolan the, the see you later and, and make sure that Connor can, can export his garage band correctly? Jake from MVP. <laughs> I'm surprised From or Hertz, I guess, didn't go. I'm, I'm really surprised Hertz wasn't the pick for Connor in the second round with the Chargers. I guess that'll be my departing thoughts for Connor. And Klepp, for overall, Klepp, I really love what you did. I mean, the Dolphins, I thought you, you hit it out of the park. Um, the Colts, too, I think. He's a sleeper. You hit it out of the park, getting Jalen Johnson and Mike Pittman. I love um, but I and, and the and the Bucks too, for that reason, I think Caesar, Caesar Ruiz, I didn't really see it at first, but even if, you know, guard or even tertiary depth, you know, Tom Brady, you need to protect him up the middle, I think, even more maybe than the tackles than getting DeAndre Swift. Um, I do think, you Thanks, know, buddy. the uh, Denzel yeah. Mims is a little sweet for my taste at 31, yeah. but <laughs> you know. that was that's that's your only skid mark, on, on, on in my opinion. <laughs> and then Connor, Blacklock at 33, I mean, I don't know, I think that's a little rich. I like Blacklock a lot too, but I think you got to help Burrow out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they got to help Burrow out a lot of it, I think, but they're not going to do it. I mean, <laughs> You're not Burrow's kind of just thrown to the fire. Well, you can't expect me to do it with one pick there. I mean, I'm looking at it from just these two picks. What do they got to do in order to get better? I think really the only one thing I'll part with to try to help my stock here is I know since I let Herbert slip, I also did get Herbert with New oh, England, yeah. which was I was saying was my banner pick of the <laughs> yeah. draft, other than Love, was getting him all the way down there. But, yeah, I, I would have probably taken Hurts if Love wasn't there, but he was sitting there. I thought about it in Dallas, Tommy, instead of Komet. I really was that thinking would have, that would just have Tommy through the roof. That just uh, probably I, I would have thought about you know the Dak experiment might I be just over. Got, and that they I might just be got ready to end of on. RB's episode PTSD from from the Lee. That would make I mean you know, it, that it, would it, fill. <laughs> Tommy, let me just let me just finish with this. Connor was upset that Blake Bortles wasn't the answer, and Jacksonville was upset that I nailed that Dak sleeper. So he was just trying to end yep. that. He was just trying to end that as quick as he could. Hey, you know, there's some club logic that maybe Dallas would have won a Super Bowl by now if they had moved on. <laughs> He's hey, holding hey, the franchise hey, back. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> They're going to let him walk. That's what I'm saying. That's why I thought about Herbert, too. But then I was like, you know, I think he's going to end up in New England, and that's going to look way I'm, better I'm for me. So that. I was just like, you know, we'll go with Caleb on. Lee didn't take Eason. That was surprising. <laughs> yes, yes. That was also shocking. I got crap from Lee for Herbert and Love, and I was like, well, I don't know where you think they're going to go. That was, They got stick for both Johnny of them. Johnny Boy. But yeah, he never took Eason. see the Colts pass on a QB at 34, too. I guess yeah. that was clap, but... Yeah. Didn't, didn't love mm-hmm. the value there. I didn't love the value there. Well, you run it back with Jacoby? Yeah, yeah oh, I will. Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers. Phillip, he'll, he'll be there for Clubs, years to come. Yeah. Clubs yeah. going all in. I I mean, I think he got he got two starters at 34 and, and 44. You know, I think... Yep. Yeah, I, I really like what Clep did. Johnny Boy, I love yep. you, buddy. Yeah, I love you, too. Uh, this, uh, is, this is about to be literally the highlight of the year, I mean, with how things are going. So I, I can't wait. I miss, yep. I'm miss. i very disappointed we're not going to see the Bellagio boat, but, you know, another year. Yep. <laughs> another year Dolan, do we do we have a solo mock coming out soon from, from yes, you? Yes, it's going to be typed out and on the website. Uh, I got I got him perfect. I got to do that too. It'll probably be posted like uh, Wednesday night slash Thursday morning, like 4 a.m. So just keep, love keep it. your eyes peeled. Bean, baby, Bean. <laughs> Brandon Bean out there in the GM room, baby. Yeah, like Billy Bean. Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. 
A. Wiggins. Fuck that other side, bitch. We stay winning. Oh, man. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Yeah. Suits and ties yelling out. Pay the guys, man. I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to.